What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 80 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am excited for spooky season. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he's running a Kansas Jayhawks hat getting ready for the college basketball season coming right up. Frank, how you doing? I'm doing good. Yesterday was rough in terms of baseball, but I'm doing pretty good. Yesterday was rough for you indeed in terms of baseball. It was not all that much fun watching the New York Rangers look elite for me, but we'll get to that in a little bit. We have a hockey-centric show. There have been four National Hockey League games played since our last show. There were two last night, two overseas over the weekend. We're really excited to talk about that, but first, we are going to get into a very special guest in period number one. Welcome to period number one, where we are going to bring on a very special guest. Last night, you saw a great game between the Los Angeles Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights, where Mark Stone scored in the waning seconds of the third period to give the Vegas Golden Knights their first win of the season. They have become two big rivalries, the Kings and the Golden Knights. And one of the best people that I know covering the Los Angeles Kings on these interwebs is Russell Morgan of Hockey Royalty. Russell, how you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, it was a fun night last night that didn't end so well for L.A. Absolutely. You got the win in baseball. I will point that out. Yeah. There we go. That's that. That's, that's more important right now, I guess. It, it really kind of is, although I do believe the Kings are going to be a very good team this season. Russell, I have to ask you to kick things off. What did you make of what Los Angeles did during the offseason for hockey, of course, and – you know, what, how did that kind of like change expectations or for the good or better based on the surprise, really good season that they had last year? Yeah, you mentioned it. It's been the big word uh, throughout training camp in the preseason has been expectations. The, the team last season, not a lot of people expected them to make the playoffs. And sure enough, they turn out to be a 99 point team and and they're third in the division. Uh have a good series with the Edmonton Oilers, taking them to seven games without players like Drew Doughty and Victor Arvidsson. So, I mean, there's a lot to like uh, coming toward the end of the season, even though they did that pretty early in the playoffs. So in the summer, Rob Blake made the big move and went out and got a player that the Kings had desperately needed and have needed for quite a while now in Kevin Fiala. Uh, they traded their first, uh, first round pick, the 19th overall pick, and then uh, player Brock Faber, a right shot defenseman that, uh, in a group of players, uh, it's really a strong suit for the Kings is they have a, just a plethora of right shot D-men, a lot of good one, young ones too. So to bring in Fiala, it, it was just something that uh, Kopitar has really been looking for. Andre Kopitar, he hasn't had a high scoring, high impact uh, skilled winger like Fiala uh, on his left side. Him and uh, Adrian Kempe seemed to develop some really good chemistry last year, but that third uh, spot, that left spot, never really seemed to get filled. It was... Andres Appensee was there every once in a while, Alex follow, And now that you have Fiala in that spot, it almost solidifies the top six for L.A. So it was a really good summer for the Kings, and now they come into the season uh, expected, I guess, throughout L.A. L.A. fans are expecting them to get back to the playoffs and maybe even make some more noise uh, once they get there, too. Yeah, that game last night was really fun to watch. Glad hockey's back. The Vegas Golden Knights, they kind of looked like that team – that we all expected for them to look like. I personally think they're potentially going to win the division um, in the Pacific. But, I mean, the Kings played well through two periods, but 
ultimately kind of fell off in the third period. They were dominated in terms of shots on goal, 51 to 30. Um, but Quick looked good, at least through two periods. He held the Vegas Golden Knights to one goal, um, and, and he looked really solid. Is this kind of a rejuvenated Quick this year, do you think? It's weird because so the goalie situation, I, I thought, was the biggest question mark coming into the season. Because, yeah, you, I mean, Jonathan Quick is just continues to be Jonathan Quick, and he was that throughout the end of the season last year going into the playoffs. He played really well. But – there's been Cal Peterson has been considered to be the next, I guess, number one goalie in LA, but the way he played last year, it, it just hasn't really come to fruition. Uh, so we're all just kind of waiting and seeing if, if Cal Peterson, Chad McClellan uh, used the metaphor uh, that Jonathan quick, isn't going to give the keys to the kingdom away to Cal. Cal's going to have to take them. And that really hasn't been the case. So uh, preseason was a little shaky for Cal. And Jonathan Quick just kind of continued to be the same goalie that we've seen uh, the last few years in L.A. where he's kind of rejuvenated his game a bit. And last night, I mean, 47 saves uh, and 51 shots against. I think that was one of the most uh, or top three in terms of saves against in a season opener or all time in the NHL. So if he can keep that up, I, I'm, I have no doubt that the Kings are going to be good because the biggest Golden Knights – it's it's a tough loss and especially the way they did lose but they're expected to be a really good team and i think bruce cassidy has a really good system in place for the for that team and they played really well last night a lot is made about the los angeles kings farm system they're been highly ranked for the last couple of years now we're starting to see some of those guys come to the nhl i'm thinking of dudes like quinton byfield and alex turcott what do you make of their farm system right now who do you see making a big impact this season and who's kind of been if anybody that you thought you'd see more from at this point yeah i guess the big question mark i mean it's the number two overall pick it's quentin byfield i mean when you have a player picked that high uh you haven't had a I mean, you haven't had a player pick that high in L.A. since Drew Doughty, and we all know how that went. So to see uh, Quentin Byfield come up and the Kings grab him at number two, there's been a lot of uh, high hopes and expectations for what he can deliver in the NHL, and especially when he's being compared to a player like Tim, Tim Stutzla, who was drafted the pick right after him. So Stutzla has been able to establish himself really quickly into the NHL and, and got an $8 million contract already. Quentin Byfield is still kind of getting his feet underneath him, but uh, – Last year, he had a rough start to the year where he fractured his ankle in the preseason uh, where he looked really good. So he came into halfway through the season and, and ended up finishing L.A. And it was a so-so year for him. But it, last night, in his first game uh, with the Kings in opening night, I thought he looked really good. So it was good showing there. Uh, but in terms of other players that expect uh, good young players to, to make an impact for L.A. this season, there's a player you have to watch. His name's Arthur Calia. He's, I would put his shot up there with anybody else in the NHL. I think it's Austin Matthews caliber. He's if he's got a wicked just wrister and the power he can generate from it. He's a big guy or a big kid, I guess. I think he's only 21 years old. Uh, he ended up scoring a goal uh, last night. And one of my bold predictions was that he would uh, most likely score uh, 20 to maybe 25 or even 30 goals this season. So he's that kind of a talent. And if he gets the ice time and the power play minutes, I can see that happening. Some of the other players that really performed well last year were Adrian Kempe, who had, I believe, 35 goals. Philip Deneau, 27 goals, which was a career high. Um, Trevor Moore excelled in basically every category imaginable. 
Um, it was just absolutely incredible from all three of those men. But are those guys going to be able to produce that same sort of talent this year? And because I think that if they can, that's going to contribute tremendously to this team's success and help them push them forward this year. Yeah, absolutely. The The top six needs to produce for this team uh, to be successful again. Uh, last season, the Kings kind of created this new – in L.A., we call it the nice line, quote-unquote, because with the line, it's the second line for the Kings, and it's Trevor Moore, Philip Deneau, and Victor Arvidsson. And if you add all their numbers together, it, it equals the number 69. <laughs> so if you kind of get where I'm getting here, getting that here. Uh, nice. So, yeah, that's clever. Nice. Yeah, so that line was created. I have to I have to credit Jesse Cohen of the All the Kings man. He came up with that. So uh it's uh I mean they they were one of the best lines in the league, let alone having one of the best names uh, in the league too. So uh I believe they were top three in expected goals per sixty uh in the league, and they were just humming along. So uh now that they're back together, there's a lot of questions marks whether our Victor Arvidsson would be healthy at the start of the year. Turns out he is, and he played last night. Uh that line um the team, I guess, in whole didn't look good, but it's good to see that line back together and hopefully they can continue that success that they had last season. Uh, and, and as far as Adrian Kempe, yeah, the 35 goals, it's, it's, we're, we've been waiting for this type of Adrian Kempe to come into the NHL in LA. It's, it's been a slow development for him, but now that he's found some really good chemistry with Andre Kobitar and he's shooting the puck, and, that, and I think that's the biggest thing because he more than doubled his total shot attempts last season and turns out shooting the puck more leads to more goals so if he can continue that success and playing with a player like kevin fiala uh, i think he can uh, easily uh, eclipse the 30 goal total again he scored yesterday too yeah yeah for sure so it was a nice play by kopitar too a little hesitation going around the net so i mean players that i mentioned uh, gabe velarde is is another good young prospect that's looked really good for the kings throughout the preseason uh, he looked he looked good last night with two points. Uh, Adrian Kempe got the goal, and Arthur Kaliev got the goal. So their players are producing. It was just it's just a weird it was just a weird game for LA. You don't see the Kings get outshot that often. Uh, they I believe went on a streak of thirty plus games out shooting their opponent last season and never gave up forty shots on goal in a game. And then the first game this season they give up fifty one. So. An odd game, but we'll see. We'll see how it turns out uh, going into tomorrow night's game. It was an odd game, and I think Vegas is better than people are projecting them to be because of a disappointing season last year. If they can get good goaltending, I do think they will prove that that fifty-one shots that they're going to do that to a bunch of people this season. But aside from the point, a lot of the times it's very hard to rebuild in the National Hockey League. We see it in Chicago. They traded out to Brinkett. They traded out uh, Doc Flurry was sent to Minnesota. We probably, I have the, I'm of the opinion that Patrick Kane will be shown the door before the trade deadline. If they're able to move, move Jones or Taves, they might, but you know, those are hard contracts to move. Very few teams are able to kind of rebuild on the fly while keeping the pillars of their organization in place. Even the New York Rangers, Lundqvist retired. They traded McDonough. They traded Callahan. All sorts of things were moved out. St. Louis retired. With the Kings, Kopitar stuck around. Dowdy stuck around, quick stuck around. People were wondering why are all three of them falling off? Well, are they, or are they just not surrounded by what helped them reach that elite hall of fame pinnacle? Now they're back. Dowdy, he doesn't look like the same Dowdy from 2012, but he looks like a very solid number one, number two defenseman again, quick, 
is still a pretty good goalie, and Kopitar is one of the best two-way centers in the league. What does that mean to you to have those guys stick around and see this rebuild through? Because that's a luxury most rebuilding teams are not afforded. Well, I think it has. It goes a lot to the players too, because I mean, when you have ultra competitive players like Jonathan Quick and Drew Doughty, it's it's tough to go through a rebuild where you know you're going to come into the rink and come into games most likely going to lose. And I believe Drew Doughty even mentioned that at the start of training camp this year, where he he said pretty much like he hated just playing these games because of he he knew where the organization was at in the rebuild. They they had to just kind of topple everything over and start anew and uh it was tough i mean rob blake came in and he's done a really good job doing it trading away players like jake muzzin uh tyler Tafoli, uh and you're getting uh i believe uh jack campbell as well a lot of players were traded away and alec martinez is another one um, but they got a lot of good assets out of it and you're seeing a lot of those assets make an impact on the team now trevor moore came over from toronto carl grunstrom sean dersey uh, all these players are starting to make an impact on the NHL roster for the Kings. And it's been good to see uh, Andre Kopitar and Dowdy and Quick show their patience with the organization because, I mean, with so much they've given to to the team and the community and the city of Los Angeles, uh, I think the Kings fans kind of show, show a lot of gratitude toward them that they've been willing to be patient throughout this rebuild. And it's starting to pay off now that I, I think they're going to be a successful team going uh, forward in the future. Yeah, when a team rebuilds, it doesn't go over well with the fans. They're not happy with it. It takes some time <laughs> to kind of get used to it. You just got to be patient, right? That's what I'm going with the Chicago Blackhawks right now. I'm not <laughs> happy with it, um, but it's just something you got to live with if you're a sports fan. But if done correctly, it will all pay off in the long run. And I think we're kind of seeing that with the Kings, even though they kind of rebuilt on the fly, like you said, and like Vinny said. But – I mean, now they're they're contenders. They're contenders to push for the playoffs. But, I mean, what what do they actually have to do to get to the playoffs this year? I, I think some of the young players need to step up. Uh, you need to see Quentin Byfield, like I just mentioned. He needs to have a, a good season. Gabe Bellardi, another first-round pick, who's kind of had some back problems that's really starting to make a name for himself and make an impact on the team. I think he needs to have a good season. Um, but then also it's it's back to goaltending. Uh, Jonathan Quick. If Jonathan Quick, I, I don't. I really don't think he needs. He should be playing fifty plus games. Cal Peterson's going to have to take um, some sort of role. Uh, I guess being the number one starter in LA at some point this season. Uh, he signed a fifteen million dollar contract last season. This is going to be the second year. Uh, getting paid five million dollars a year. He's he's making the same amount of money, I believe, as players like Shosturkin and Billy Huso and these really good goalies that kind of deserve those contracts. And there's a lot of question marks whether Cal Peterson is deserving of that contract right now. And hopefully he lives up to that uh, notion of being a number one goalie in the NHL because he's shown flashes of, of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. But Frank, I, I want to ask you, like, so you're a Blackhawks fan, and I, I know this is going to be tough for you, but, like, <laughs> you see the Connor Bedard light at the end of the tunnel, right? You, oh, absolutely. You know it's there. I was yeah. talking about him today, like, but it would be our luck. Like the Hawks would finish last and they wouldn't win the draft lottery. Right. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I mean, you still got Fantilli. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's well, and whoever's supposed to go third, I heard is pretty Mitch good. Mitch, Mitch, Mitch Kov. Is yeah. good. They can get Mitch Kov over from Russia. And- Today's Fantilli's birthday, by the way, shout out him. Like he's, he's incredible. So 
I agree with Fantilli's you. on the steel, right? Isn't he on the Chicago steel? Uh, I don't I know. He, I don't I know think, where he plays, but I thought I heard that name. But the thing is, if they're really as bad as everybody's saying, they should get one of the three, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm really aiming for Bedard, right? And if they could build around Bedard, I think this rebuild will go a little bit quicker than people will assume. It's not going to take four or five years. Maybe it will. But I think when you have Bedard and the talent, the talented player that he is, you could really throw in these key pieces to mesh well with them. And I mean, that lights at the end of the tunnel. So if that's what it takes this year, I'm fine with it. I guess I have no choice because I know they're going to suck. I mean, they're in Colorado tonight. They're in Vegas tomorrow. I mean, it's not going to be easy for them. The Bedard, I, I've I've had talks, you know, chats with Coyotes fans, and I tell them like, you guys need to root to lose every game because <laughs> could, Connor Bedard is a generational player. We're talking about like the yep. next McDavid, a player yep. that, like you just mentioned, you don't need to have that many pieces around a player right. like that. He can he's easily going to be able to play 22, 25 minutes a night, and put up Connor McDavid numbers. So, any team that gets him, I mean, look what look what players like Crosby did, and and. I mean, McDavid, like we just talked about. Even McKinnon's the number one overall pick, too. Uh, I think Connor Bedard can be those players and probably even more, too. Look what he did so. at the World Juniors. Yeah, it's crazy. You really do. I see Bedard. Bedard is like a mix between Hughes and Matthews. Oh, right. Yeah. That's, that's like, good. Look at, look at what Jack Hughes does for New Jersey. And mm-hmm. Bedard might be better than Jack. Like, I think Bedard is better than Jack Hughes. Maybe not in year one because Jack will be in year five by his year one. But I th- think he can eclipse him, and I- I'm the biggest Jack Hughes fan. So I agree with you. Fantilli does play for Michigan. Uh, he played for the okay. Steel before. His- he scored his first collegiate goal a couple days ago, and it was assisted by Luke Hughes, which I don't see how oh. that Michigan team doesn't at least make you know the top six in the tournament once the mm-hmm. spring rolls around. But So I agree with you. You saw the rebuild come through. Frankie's rooting for it. I hopefully am done with it. We'll see. <laughs> but the Devils are the Devils are a popular pick this year. Love I think they're going to surprise. They Last are a popular week, pick. We both picked them to make the playoffs. Me and Vinny. I have them as a fourth seed. And and Bucci had them making it. Moneypuck.com has them with a better chance to make it than the Rangers. I don't see. Oh, wow. I don't see that at no, all. No, I don't either. I, think I don't the like, going to win the division. But yeah, yeah. So do I. But. I mean, they have a higher percentage according to whatever analytics Money Puck uses. But I don't want to veer too much from talking about our teams for talking about Russell's Kings. We want to hear his expertise about what's going on there. So I really think the Kings have a chance to replicate what they did last season too. And if not exceed it this year with the addition of Fiala and another, hopefully Dowdy's healthy all season long. And we know what we could get from Kopitar and Kempe and all those guys. Is there a division opponent though, that is not one of Calgary, Edmonton or Vegas. Those are kind of the consensus top three. I think in a lot of people's opinion, is there a team below them, the Kings in last season standings, whether it be the ducks, I've seen a couple people oddly pick the crack and I don't understand um vancouver is a popular pick i saw a couple people picking them to make the playoffs i really don't think san jose is anyone who follows hockey you know pick to make the playoffs but you know do any of those teams scare you in any way uh i don't know if they scare me but i see the re i could i see the reasoning for some of those picks so just to kind of name them off san jose like you just talked about they're 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 going full tank mode too i mean they just traded away brent burns 
uh, they they have the Eric Carlson monstrosity of a contract that's still there, kind of hampering them. And then uh, I, I, they don't really have a lot of good good talent. And the team of Meyer is good, Hurdle's great, good, but besides that, it's it's kind of yeah, just whatever. So I see them being on the bottom of the division. Uh, Anaheim, I think it'd be good. I mean, while they have a lot of exciting young talent with with Zegers, obviously McTavish, Drysdale, I still think. Uh, maybe a high draft pick is in their cards this year, which isn't a bad thing. They're, they're really close. Uh, and I think they'll make some noise, but I think eventually they'll end up with a, a high first round draft pick. Um, so the last two teams is, is Vancouver and Seattle uh, with Vancouver. I just don't like their defense. They're their de- I mean, up front forwards, they have some really good talent. You have Besser, you have uh, Miller, you have Petter or Peterson. Um, who, who else am I mean? Horvat. There's some so many good forwards there. Yeah. But then you look at their defense, and I think Luke Shen is still in their top four. And yeah. it's like, besides Quinn Hughes, there's not a lot to like there. So it's just like, how 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 good is Thatcher Demko really going to be for them? I think that would be the big thing. And also, they have a full season with Bruce Boudreaux. So I guess I could see the Canucks season going either way, really. I could see him being really bad or being pretty good. And then so you leave, that leads the crack in. And the Kraken are a popular pick, I think, for a lot of people. They got really good talent, young talent with Veneers and Shane Wright, I believe, made the team. And then you add some pieces like Bjorkstrand, uh, Burakovsky, and you get a healthy season from Jaden Schwartz. There's there's really a lot to like, but I think goaltending was their biggest issue by far last season, and they're returning the same same goalies. So if that isn't fixed, then I, I see it being another uh, lowly season for them as well. So they're – the Kings should be the team to come out of the playoffs. I mean, it should be them along with Edmonton and Calgary and Vegas. Those should be the four teams. And if they do get beat by Vancouver or Seattle, I think there'd be a lot of disappointing Kings fans in LA. Yeah. I want to go back to last night's game between the Kings and uh, the Knights, even though the Kings lost, I think there were some key takeaways that you could take from the game. And as a Hawks fan, it's probably what I'm going to do with the many games they lose. But try to find positivity in right. in the losses as well. But what were some of the biggest takeaways you saw from last night's game, even though they didn't come out with the win? I think one of the biggest takeaways is they played – okay, so they played horribly, I think, throughout the game. And Todd McClellan, after the game, he, he mentioned – he kept talking about poor game management, just really bad mental mistakes. Obviously, the, the fourth goal – where Sean Jersey just inexplicably decided to hold the puck for 20 seconds behind his own net and then throw it up the boards to the red line and turn it over for some odd reason. That was just inexcusable. You have five minor penalties penalties that the team took throughout the game that just kind of killed the moment. Anytime they had momentum, just kill it. Kevin Fiala took a really bad, unnecessary offensive zone penalty while they were on the power play. So hopefully that's something that he can get out of his system. And then... And then they were outshot uh, 51 to – I mean, they allowed 51 shots on goal. So talking – like all those points that I just made, they were still in it with one minute left to go. So if you're able to hang in there for at 3-3 three three with a really good Vegas team that's outshooting you by that much and you're tied going in with one minute left and it takes a, a really inexcusable mistake to end up losing you the game, I think there's a lot to like because if the team comes out of that – getting one point i think kings fans are very happy with with the way that they played coming out of that game uh still salvaging a point absolutely yeah 
yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's it's Vegas, it's the Kings, it's two teams that are expected to have some tough battles all season long. But one last King player from the great generation that I want to just touch on really quick. We've seen a guy like Jeff Carter move on to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we've seen a bunch of other guys move on. But one thing that's always stayed constant with the Kings forward group is Kopitar. We touched on him a little bit. I still think he's one of the best two-way forwards in the NHL. I'm sure his days of winning the Selkie Trophy and all that are probably in the past with guys like Barkov coming up and, you know, you see other guys. But does he still fit that mold for you of the perfect captain for the team? I think so. There was there was a lot of questions when he first gained his captaincy because it was stripped from Dustin Brown and given to Andre Kopitar uh, when Daryl Sutter was around. That that was kind of that that stirred Kings fans. I mean, I guess that upset Kings fans a little bit. But Kopitar has been a, been a great leader in LA. He's he's been an LA King. He's he's taken the community under his wing. He's he's been a, a really good a big fan favorite, and he continues to produce on the ice. So. Is he, is he the same player that we saw from 2012, 2014? Probably not. And and I don't see him putting up a 90-plus point season really in the future. But like you just mentioned, if he can play that solid two-way game and you have players like Adrian Kempe and Kevin Fiala playing on his wing, I think that takes a lot of onus off Kopitar to be that offensive play driver and just be a little bit more of a disher or passer and uh, give the puck to – Fiala and Kempe and have them uh, score uh, in his stead going forward. Yeah, we mentioned Fiala a lot. Um, didn't have the greatest game yesterday. He had 15 minutes of ice time. I mean, he didn't contribute to any of the Kings' three goals. He was a minus one. I'm not a big fan of plus minus, but he was a minus one. He took a penalty. I, I know he's not going to perform in all 82 games, obviously. I mean, I mean, he is human too, but does is he going to be the guy that the Kings hope for? Or should we worry about just this one game based on what we saw? What do you think? I, I think Kings fans are already worried, but I, I just I don't see a reason to be. Uh, the The game last night for Fiala, there's that penalty. I guess is really what um, is the spotlight out of, or was a takeaway out of that for Fiala? It's just it was so unnecessary. Uh, where he hit Alec Martinez, pretty much kind of chicken winged him up in the up in the head. Uh, and when you're on the power play, you just you just don't want to see that. Uh, he didn't really he didn't, he didn't contribute in the box score for the Kings, but he was a part of the um, Kempe goal. Uh, I, I believe he dished it off to uh, Jersey uh, in the offensive zone, where Jersey fed Kopitar and Kopitar went around the net and fed Kempe. So he was kind of assisting in that goal without actually getting an assist. So that was good to see. But it, it was a little surprising to see him only get 15 minutes. You're, you're paying him $8 million a year, and you're going to give him 15 minutes uh, a night. I, I don't see that happening. He needs to be an uh, 18, 22-minute-a-night player. Uh, you're, there's, he's, I think, the fourth-highest contract on the Kings, and he needs to he needs to play like it. I agree. that, that the, the, the minutes is what scared me, to be honest, and that's why I asked mm -hmm. you that question. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, 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 you don't see – left wing ones play play that low of ice time i believe mm -hmm. trevor moore had 19 minutes so something like that yeah yeah mcclellan he must have just been very upset off of that offensive zone penalty i i don't blame him uh mcclellan's not gonna he's, he's not gonna back down he's gonna he's gonna play the players that are playing well no matter how much they're getting paid and 
that's always been the the coach that he is, even going back to Edmonton and San Jose. I agree with both of you about the ice time and stuff like that, but I will kind of defend Kevin Fiala a little bit here. Kevin Fiala, first off, last year got off to a little bit of a slow start points-wise with the Minnesota Wild. It took him a little bit to get going, and then once he got hot, he really got going. It even took Caprice off a minute to get going. He had 110 points. So, like, stuff like that's going to happen with Fiala. He's not McDavid. He's not Matthews, but he's Fiala. He's a really good player. He's human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Vegas Golden Knights also had five power plays yesterday and only converted on one of them. That means that 10 minutes of ice time, just on, no, just under 20 minutes of ice time, right? No, 10 minutes. Just under 10 minutes of ice time were spent on the penalty kill for the Los Angeles Kings. That takes time of ice away from Kevin Fiala and gives it mm-hmm. to Trevor Moore. That that's just the way it is. The penalty killers are going to skate more yeah. when the other team goes on the power play. Like I said, Vegas only converted on one of them, so that means four of the five penalties. It was the whole two minutes. We know Kevin Fiala ain't killing penalties. He's not like the defensive stalwart like a Kopitar or any of these other defensive guys. So that's just my takeaway on Fiala with his ice time and stuff. I, I'm just trying to make King fan feel better about him because I've watched Fiala <laughs> a lot in my life. The Wild are one of my like top five most watched teams. I think he's a great he's – he's the reason I was like so adamant that the Kings were going to repeat what they did last year, this year, and be a really good team. But I wanted to ask you a question in regards to a player you just brought up when we talked about Kopitar, and that's Dustin Brown. Dustin Brown. I know where this is going. It was announced that he's getting a statue at the Staples Center. And listen, Dustin Brown, I'm pretty sure he's the first American captain to ever win the Stanley Cup. Is that correct? I'm pretty sure that's second. I think. Or no, Hatcher, Hatcher, Hatcher did. That's right. He was the second. Um, Dustin Brown was a great player for the Kings. He just, he was not a superstar. So when you think about the Staples Center, it's, Kobe, Shaq, <laughs> Dustin Brown. Like that, that that's pretty funny. And Kings were kind of getting roasted for it during the offseason or whenever it was that they announced it. Do you defend this move by the Kings or are you in favor of it as a diehard Kings fan? Are you here to tell me why that's not funny? So the, the statues that you mentioned, uh, Shaq, Kobe. So Kobe doesn't have a statue yet. His, his statue is not there. Oh, that's right. Yet. He's going to though, right? So yes, I mean he he does he should get one. I mean I don't see why he wouldn't. But so I think there's a misconception outside of LA that it isn't just Shaq and and there's there's like nine statues out front of so it's crypto.com now arena. Yeah, yeah. Not staples, but that's that's neither here or there. We can talk about the name another day. Uh, <laughs> there's actually yeah, there's like nine statues outside of Staples Center. I'm pretty sure whoever is the next superstar in LA that plays at the arena is going to get a statue. So I guess it's more important at some other arenas than it is maybe in LA. Cause LA they're it's, it's the city. I mean, the city of angels, they're Hollywood. It's all about the stars. Everybody gets a statue. I mean, uh, so you have even Oscar De La Hoya has a statue outside of crypto.com. <laughs> arena. Bob Miller has a statue. Trick Hearn has a statue. There, there's a lot of statues out there. Wayne Gretzky and Luke Robitaille already have a statue too. So I think there's a misconception thinking from people that think that this is going to be the first King statue um, outside of crypto.com where he's just going to be joining all these other great athletes I just mentioned, not to mention Wayne Gretzky and Luke Robitaille. 
and Bob Miller, who's already out there. So he's going to be the fourth uh, LA Kings associated uh, figure to get the the notion of getting a statue. But as far as defending it, I, I think I think you have to if you're an LA Kings fan or even just a, a fan of the team um, or hockey, really, because what he did for the city of Los Angeles, he was the heart and soul of this team. Drew Doughty, Drew Doughty was kind of the voice um, and, and was great defensively. Um, Andre Kobutar was the point producer and did a lot of great things offensively for the team. But Dustin Brown led the NHL. I believe he leads the NHL and hits all time. Um, was great in the playoffs. I think a lot of people forget that too. He, yeah, I believe it was like twenty points in in the games that they won uh, in two thousand twelve. So. For him to get a statue, you're talking about a franchise that hadn't won a Stanley Cup in 45 years. Uh, and for him to be the first one to lift it, it you just have to try to memorialize that uh, iconic uh, photo of him lifting the cup over his head in L.A. And I think I think he deserves it for his play. I Actually, agree. I didn't realize there were that many statues. Yeah. There, see, that, a lot of people don't don't realize that. There's there's a, a lot out there. I, I believe Elgin – Jerry West has a statue. Uh there's yeah there's there's quite a few i agree give dustin brown the statue can't wait for dowdy and kopitars and quicks too and vin i remember when you told me on the show he was getting a statue and you asked my opinion on it i'm like i i i at first i'm like yeah i I don't know it's a little weird but i told you i got it i understand why they did Mm -hmm. it because he was such a big factor in 2012 and 2014 when they won the Stanley Cup. And that was the first time they ever won the Stanley Cup. So it makes sense. And I actually have a Dustin Brown jersey in my closet because of how amazing they were back then. And because Mm -hmm. of when I watched him play in 2012 and win the Cup, he was that dynamic player that made me want to buy a jersey of him. So I kind of make sense more as like we've gotten the chance to sit on it more and more. And, And Russell makes a great point. It's Hollywood. You're in L.A., yeah, of course you're going to have all these guys with statues and, you know, the fame and <laughs> mm-hmm. it just makes complete sense. And, and I love Dustin Brown and I always will. And good for him. Raise the statue. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. He's I been agree. doing so much for the community too. I mean, his wife is even part of the junior, or junior Kings, uh, whatever organization. Um, so yeah. And, and, and it's not just the men, people look at the points and all that, but yeah. So be the heart and soul and the leader of a team and something, a player that the fans can really rally around. I think that's what is deserving of the statue for him. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Frank, do you have anything left for Russell? I see that LA Dodgers hat on your oh, head. That's what I was going to dive into. Okay. <laughs> that's right. No, that's right. Go. I want to know, uh, what, what do you thought of the Dodgers this postseason through one game? <laughs> so... I didn't get to watch the game. I was at, at the Kings game, obviously, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're 111 wins. I mean, this it's, it's World Series or bust for them, really. Uh, but I think there's a little a little bit to worry about with the pitching for for the Dodgers. Julio Urias looked really good last night, so that's a, that's a good start. Uh, I believe they have Clayton Kershaw going tonight, and then Dustin May is healthy and he looks pretty good. So. Uh, there's not that Max Scherzer or that Hugh Darvish or even Walker Buehler's who's hurt uh, there in, to start for you, for the Dodgers. So I think they maybe dodged a bullet not having to face the Mets and uh, DeGrom and Scherzer back-to-back. Uh, but the Padres, I, I don't see the Padres really giving them trouble. It's going to be when they get to having to face maybe the Braves. Or I'm really worried, too, about the Astros. 
the, the Astros always seem to have the Dodgers number, even if you can talk about the whole trash can beating thing. But <laughs> the Astros, uh, for some reason, they they're 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 pretty good team still. So it's it's going to be a tough tough slog for them. But the the Dodgers, I mean, when you have a, a top three of Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, and Freddie Freeman, I, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't be able to win a World Series. Not to mention players like Max Muncy, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger. I can go on and on. So it, they have a really deep team that earned the 111 wins that they won throughout the regular season, and I, I fully expect them to win another World Series here. Scary lineup for sure. Well, yeah. I was going to ask if you like that. Like, as a fan of that team, does it feel good to be like, yeah, we got, we're going to take Max Muncy off of first base. We'll probably put him back to second. We'll sign Freddie Freeman. He's got an MVP, <laughs> win a batting title in any year. You know, he was amazing for the Braves for a decade. Uh, we're, we'll just trade for Mookie Betts. You know, they're a combination of the Yankees and the Rays. I always defend the Dodgers. There are lots of people in the in Chicago that hate the Dodgers because there's like this misconception that they are the they're the modern day Yankees. They just buy whatever they want. That's actually not true. They signed yeah. Freddie Freeman in free agency. Okay, fine. They they had the financial resources to do that. Every other team that can would he chose to go there. They signed Trevor Bauer. That didn't even work out for them because he decided to, you know, do bad things. <laughs> um, but trading for Mookie Betts, the Red Sox weren't just giving Mookie Betts away. It wasn't money yeah. that lured him out of Boston. Same thing with Max Scherzer when they traded for him. Or, you know, even even small moves like getting a guy like Albert Pujols, stuff like that. They, they don't just pull – they have the prospect and draft resources to make these trades possible. Trey Turner, he was traded mm-hmm. – he, he wasn't just bought. And when he signs with a different team this offseason for a billion dollars, the Dodgers are going to be like, huh, whatever, we'll sign someone else. We'll trade for someone else. Because <laughs> exactly. we have the top – them and the Guardians are the only two playoff teams that also have a top five farm system. So I just – I love what the Dodgers do. Does that make you feel good as a fan, though, just bragging about how awesome they are all the time? Or does party <laughs> miss being an underdog every now and then? Like, hey – we were the Braves. We won the World Series because we got hot at the end and we won the World Series. Or would you rather just have the best team ever and dominate everyone? So I, I will say this. I didn't really feel the need to watch a Dodgers game for the last like few months. And, and, and that is a little disappointing, I guess, from a baseball fan. You want to be able to watch some important games. But it's like, I mean, they're, they're 20 games in first place. Like, what's, what's the point? And sure, the team like, just below them had a better record than like the Guardians. Yeah, exactly. It's like, wake me up when October comes around. Like, I yeah. don't really care what's going on. Um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, there's that misconception where they just kind of sign all these free agents and have all this money. Yeah, that's totally not true. I mean, uh, yeah, of course, you just mentioned Freddie Freeman. Uh, but uh, Mookie Betts was traded uh, for, he, but they gave away a really good player in Alex Verdugo and not to mention some other good, really good pitchers. Um, and then the Scherzer-Trey Turner trade, uh, they had to give away one of their top uh, pitching prospects in Josiah Gray. And I believe, uh, I'm not, I, be, I want to say Kiba Ruiz was part of that trade too. Yeah. Uh, talented catcher prospect. So, yeah. But, but besides those three players that I just mentioned, look at Max Muncy was a project that they got from the A's. Chris Taylor was a project they got from the Mariners. Uh, Trace Thompson, project that they got that is now back with the Dodgers that they got from the White Sox. So, you have a lot of players. Will Smith is a homegrown guy. Dustin May, Walker Bueller, obviously Clayton Kershaw, Julio Urias. All these players have been players that the Dodgers have developed with their farm system. And I think that gets overlooked because they're the Dodgers and they just continue to win games and be the 
high profile team that they are, but I, w- I would like them to make it a little bit more, I guess, exciting to watch and maybe uh, string things out a little bit more before they start doing it. But hey, if, if that's the thing I'm complaining about, then I guess there's worse things to, to and, complain about. And when they were, when those players do come up to get paid because they draft and develop them and they turn into megastars like Kershaw, like Urias, like, you know, other guys, Bellinger. I know Bellinger's falling off a little bit, but when those guys. Mm-hmm come up and it's time for them to get paid, the Dodgers, they sometimes pay those guys. Where a yeah. team like the Rays or the A's, oh, when Chapman and um, Olsen all of a sudden are be too expensive for the A's, they get traded out of town. Chapman ends up here. Olsen ends up here. Same thing with the Rays. They traded Blake Snell to the Padres. Tyler Glasnow is probably going to get traded before his next contract. Like, the Dodgers just don't do that unless they feel they can replace said person commanding money. Like, they'll replace Trey Turner just fine. So, I love what the Dodgers do. I wish the White Sox dominated everyone like that, but no, they just suck. Yeah, I don't think the Padres are going to give them any problems or any of that. I didn't think they would really beat the Mets. I, they just they didn't look good coming into the postseason, the Padres. Mm-hmm. And Kershaw's on the mound tonight. The biggest question, I think, is do we get regular season Kershaw or postseason yep. Kershaw? Because statistically, as we all know, Clayton Kershaw doesn't perform as well in the postseason as he does in the regular season. Although the Astros knew what was coming every pitch that Kershaw threw against them. <laughs> so, I mean, true. it will be interesting to see what happens tonight. But, yeah, I think the Dodgers will probably take it. Yeah. And they Should were in on Soto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pro- mm-hmm. It was close. I think the what – did, what did the – what was the difference there? I think it was something – I'm pretty sure the, the Nationals wanted Bellinger and, yeah. and somebody else. And I believe, like, some of the two top prospects that the Dodgers had and – I mean, it. it I, I didn't want the Dodgers to pick up Soto. You don't need Soto. Look at look at the team you already have. That's that's a team that can win a World Series. You don't need to add even more to it. Um, so for them to not make the Soto move, but it it was funny to see the Padres actually be the team. I mean, the Padres have always been the little brother of the, the Dodgers. They're they're a team that's just keeps on trying to catch them. They want to create this rivalry, but they just keep on shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, look at look at Tatis and what he's doing, and then. Uh, they keep faltering. They faltered last season in the playoffs too. So I I hope a rivalry does get created because, I mean, that's what makes baseball fun, especially in L.A. where you have the Giants up north and you have the Padres just down south all in California. So it's fun as a Dodger fan and just a baseball fan uh, in general when all the three of those teams are performing. Yeah. Um, Frank, do you have anything Dodger-related left for Russell? I have one more question for him. Go for it. You like football? Absolutely. I'm a big Charger fan. Okay, I was that that was my next question. Did it hurt you to see the Rams win the Super Bowl? Like were you are you one of uh, those guys? Cuz I would be. No, not not really. Um I don't want to hear Rams fans like brag about how they're the Super Bowl championships, the champions in the same arena as the Chargers, but I mean, yeah. I'm not the I'm not the guy that's going to be like Oh, they're they're. I'm a, only a Laker fan. I'm not going to be a Clipper fan. Oh, I'm only a Dodger fan. I'm not going to be an Angel fan. And the same thing with the Chargers and the Rams. Like, I don't I don't really see that rivalry for those teams. Um, I don't root for them, but it's it's good to see them do well. And the same thing with the Rams. I mean, it's L.A., um, but I'm more a Charger. If the Rams are playing the Chargers, I'm a Chargers fan. I'm rooting for the Chargers to win. For sure. I, I love to hear that because I feel like every really? LA person I talk to is a Rams fan. So it's nice to, <laughs> it's nice to come I've been a Charger fan. So, I mean, I'm from born and raised in LA. 
uh, when I was growing up, there were no football teams in Los Angeles. USC was the football team in Los Angeles yeah. with, with Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner and all them. And so I just said, hey, the Chargers are just an hour south. Let me just root for the Chargers. And I, I picked a good time because they had really good teams with uh, Drew Brees coming up, LT, uh, Antonio Gates, eventually Philip Rivers. A lot of really good teams to root for. And then, but they just never could really put it together and would have to go through Tom Brady. And we all know how that ended up. Yep. That ended up no good for anyone who tried. Russell, we can't yep. thank you enough for coming on our show. It's been a wonderful 45 minutes talking sports with you, mostly hockey, of course. But man, it's just been my absolute pleasure. We can't thank you enough. Absolutely. Yep. Thanks for having and me anytime, guys. Yeah, for sure. Before you go, tell everybody where they can find your work, what that entails, and what you got coming up. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Russell, and then uh, on our uh, website, HockeyRoyalty.com. And we also have a great podcast uh, following the Kings, uh, the Hockey Royalty Podcast. So find me on there. I'm also doing Twitter spaces, uh, talking Kings hockey. So if you're a Kings fan, uh, hit me up. Absolutely. I hopped in one of your spaces. I'm going to do that again soon. I like talking with yeah, the King yeah, fans definitely. and growing the brand. So we can't thank you enough. And everybody, we are now going to send you to period number two. Welcome to period two. Frank, that interview with Russell was outstanding. What did you think? I think it's one of my, might be my favorite that we've done, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, it, it went very smooth. Like we were able to just like we were chatting with a buddy. Yes, absolutely. Um, which if Russell's still able to hear, that's the ultimate compliment because we've had some pretty insane people on this show. And Frankie's got you as number one. I do too. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, so the Kings. What was your main takeaway from the things Russell told you? I mean, he's right. Like... <laughs> I don't think there's anything to worry about Fiala in terms of that, where many Kings fans, like he said, are starting to worry. I don't really think there's anything to worry about. That contract he mentioned about Cal Peterson, the $5 million kicks in this year. So he was supposed to be the guy last year and kind of like take the torch and kind of get the torch from Jonathan Quick, but we didn't see that. This year he's got to be a lot better. I, I completely agree with him. They – Yesterday also was a weird game, like he said, because I'm not used to seeing the Kings let up 51 shots on goal. But I do think the Kings are still going to contend and be that playoff team. I couldn't agree more. I also like what he said about the Dustin Brown statue. I'm happy. I do too. And I'm happy I, I, I got like that it. in my back pocket for the Dillons of the world that say that it's BS. I, I, I completely think that he should have a statue now That's awesome. for sure. So, Frank, over the last four weeks, we have gone through each division in the second period and dissected them as much as we possibly can. We were like Jeffrey Dahmer dissecting a pig when it comes to these divisions. Mm -hmm. Those of you who haven't seen the Jeffrey Dahmer show on Netflix, it's fucked up, Frank. It's fucked up. We'll talk about it. it. We'll talk about it in the third period, but. That's top of mind, so that's where that analogy came from. But, yes, we did dissect all the divisions, and we each named all of our playoff teams. But for those who might have missed that or watched this episode here, this episode there, what are your playoff predictions? We will start with the Western Conference. Yeah, um, I don't have them in order for the West. One sure, through eight. I don't either. 
I don't remember who I had in the central. I don't think I had the blues. I think they were fifth, right? No, you didn't have the blues. Okay, so then I know the four. Okay. So starting with the central, I have Colorado winning the division, Nashville, Minnesota, and Dallas. I'm pretty sure those were my four. Yep. In the Pacific, I got Vegas, Calgary, Edmonton, and the Kings. Well, that's the West. Do you want me to go to the East or you want no, to go to your we'll, West? We'll hold off on that for a second. Um, from the West, I have the seven of the same eight as you. I have the Stars out, Blues in. Every time I think about leaving the Blues out, they kind of end up having a really good year quietly. And then F- they're the Blues, like, well, right? They're just one yeah. of those teams. Yeah, the Blues are always like one of the best teams in the league. Last year, they competed with the Minnesota Wild. I think the Wild edged them out by one point and then ended up losing to the Blues in the first mm-hmm. round because the Blues just kind of had their number last year. I'm expecting a lot more of the same this year from the Blues. I really think they have a pretty good lineup from top to bottom. They got Krug. They got Falk. Um, they got Fabry. No, they don't have Fabry. Pareko is who I'm thinking of. Um, Tarasenko, Ryan O'Reilly, guys like that. They're goaltending with Jordan Bennington. He'll be back as the number one with Ville, who's so moving on to the Detroit Red Wings. I just think it's a good team. So I got the Blues along with the um, Colorado Avalanche, Nashville Predators, Minnesota Wild, Calgary Flames, Edmonton Oilers, Vegas Golden Knights, and Los Angeles Kings to round out the Western Conference. So we're very much similar except Dallas and the Blues. Yes, and I firmly agree that Dallas is going to be right there in the mix and they'll be a 90-point team. It'll come down to the wire. They very well could get in, so I don't think you're crazy for that pick at all. I I had Blues fifth in the division, so I kind of agree too where you're coming from. Uh, And here's my thing, though. I think if Dallas sneaks in, it could be over L.A. or Vegas. Yeah, I had four from each division. I mean, we could yeah, see five too. and three, but... Me too. If it's five and three and one of Vegas or the yeah. Kings miss, I think Calgary and Edmonton are locks. I really do. I, I, I kind of think Vegas is a lock. I think they're going to win the division. I do too if they get Especially what I've seen from yesterday. Well, the goaltending for me is the only reason I don't have them. As a one million percent, I would bet my house on it lock. Like... If they had Leonard or if they had Flurry, like Logan Thompson, okay, he might be a great player. We'll see. But I don't know that right now. Mm-hmm. And that's why Vegas to me is still a little – they're an 80 percenter for me. Okay. So I have them in. And, yeah, let's move on over to the Eastern Conference. What do you got? All right. In the Atlantic, I have Florida, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Boston. And in the Metro, I have the Rangers, Hurricanes, Penguins and the Devils. All right, all right, all right. Which this one, were we exact? Yes. I think we were exact. For this we were. One. We are eight for eight in agreement. I believe the Hurricanes, Rangers, Penguins, Maple Leafs, Bruins, Lightning, Devils, Panthers. Yeah. The fact that so many people are picking the New Jersey Devils to make the playoffs scares me, though. I don't think it's crazy, though. I thought they were going to be that bubble team last year. And they yeah. disappointed. But they got now bad goaltending. Like, Everyone was hurt. Everyone had COVID. Nico missed this time with COVID. But Dougie like Hamilton had missed a, this time with the broken jaw. But you had an extra year, year now to age, like a fine wine. I think they're only going to get better this year. Yeah. And the it's Devils are, I think they're the third youngest team in the NHL or fourth youngest team in the NHL. So they're not another year older. They're another year better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, a team like the Penguins, who are the oldest team in the league, I think. Oh, no, I know for a fact the Penguins are the oldest team in the league with like an average age of like 30.6 or whatever. 
Crosby, Malkin, and Latang are all like pushing 35. And, you know, they're their best players. So regression's coming for them eventually. I just don't think it's this year. I actually think the Penguins are going to be elite. But yeah, that that's my Eastern Conference. I I toyed with changing one of them though. I'll tell you. I looked at I looked at Florida's uh forward lines today. That team kind of sucks. They traded away a lot of their assets to get Giroux, who's now in Ottawa, and to get Kachuk. Like I I, I firmly think they lost the Kachuk trade because Kachuk is the best player of the three players, but I think they probably just would have been better with Huberdo and Uyghur instead of just Kachuk. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not as high on – I went into Florida saying last year, Stanley Cup champion in preseason. They were my preseason pick to win the Cup. They ended up being the top dog in, you know, the regular season. They were elite in the regular season. I was right on that account. And then they lost to the Lightning in a close series. You know, that happens. I was wrong about them winning the cup, but I am not high on them at all anymore. And I toyed with changing my prediction from a couple episodes when we did the Atlantic to switching it to freaking Ottawa. I thought about it. So I, I don't know. Cam Talbot out five to seven. Years. I know. And that was the tiebreaker. That was the tiebreaker. It really was. It is so rough. Now, guys, goaltenders come out of nowhere and play well. They do. Logan Thompson. Hopefully. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully yeah. You know, so I'm not fully dismissing Ottawa because of Talbot. I will after a week, though, if their new goalie stinks. Like, I won't – I feel like I'll know a lot about Ottawa by this time in two weeks. Maybe not by this time next week, but in two weeks. a couple weeks. Yeah, exactly. But Ottawa, Detroit, people are low on Buffalo. I don't get it. I don't think – I don't think an Eastern Conference team is in the Bedard sweepstakes except for Philly. Like Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, um, the Blue Jackets, the Devils, they're all wildly improved. And even though I don't have Washington make it, I thought about that too. Because Ovechkin, listen, they're already talking about this shit. I've been seeing memes, Frank. I've been seeing the memes. He's got 600 and, you know, 780 goals. He's he is going to get it, dude. Uh, freaking his 22nd goal of the season will put him second all time. He will pass Bobby Hall with his 22nd goal of the season. No, Brett Hall. Brett Hall with his 22nd goal of the season. He'll tie him with 21. Very excited about Washington games. They're going to be – when Washington goes on the power play, better put it on your phone. You want to see as many of those things as you can. They're another team, though, that has some injuries that scare me. I know, I know. They do. Uh, Backstrom's going to be out for a while. I think Tom Wilson's going to be yeah. out around Christmas. It's going to be long. It's a long it's, time. Yeah, it's a long time. Um, but, again, I don't know what to make of their goaltending. Kemper, everybody always questions Kemper. He was with Coyotes. He was elite. He was with Colorado. He was elite. Now he's with Washington. Not as sound as Colorado, but probably more sound than Arizona. So, I don't know. I think Washington's going to be a good team. If the Devils miss, it might be because of Washington. Actually. I agree. I agree. So, but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, Washington. I don't I think either. They're going to regress a little bit. Yes, and I like I like John Carlson. I think John Carlson's one of the best defensemen offensively in the NHL. He'll run a power play. Ovechkin's not going to miss a beat by not having Backstrom because they'll have TJ Oshie at the front of the net. They'll probably put Connor McMichael in the high slot, and then it'll be. 
Kuznetsov on the other side running the half wall, Carlson at the point, and then Ovechkin will be in his office. It's going to be a nice power play. It will be a top 10 power play in the NHL. Very much believe that. But, you know, that's my analysis on the Eastern Conference. Besides one more thing, my Leafs. Freaking year. Yeah, right. What a joke, I'm telling you, they are going to win the Stanley Cup. They are my pick to win the Stanley Cup. They will not play the Lightning in the playoffs. I want to know who had a sale this weekend. They're better than the Bruins. They're better. They're way better than Florida now. It comes down to them in Tampa when it comes to the playoffs. I can't wait to watch them roll over everyone. I can't wait for them to get bounced in the first round. And the excuse of playing Tampa in the first round. They lost to Tampa in Game 7 of Mm -hmm. the first round last year by one goal. By one goal. I was at the White Sox game. I remember that's the day we went there for Nick Wayne's birthday. Mid-May. The lightning freaking beating. And I had my Leafs shirt under my White Sox shirt. I'm tired of the excuses that they get for losing. If they're that team, they should be able to beat the lightning. People people forget, though, Frank. They're still, they're still like, just coming out of their rebuild. And they when Matthews the comes to the Hawks, pick. they'll be toast. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> of course. But I don't know. This this is it. Tavares, put up or shut up, man. Put up or shut up. Nylander, he's elite now. He's not even just an above average player. He's an elite player now. If they get bounced in the first round, then what? what, what are you out on them? It, probably because I believe now, like the Lightning were better last year. They were. They went to the cop. They didn't lose to anyone except Colorado, who you said is a, in a different league. They are in a different league, and they proved it. Lost you in Game Seven by one goal. I I believe they would have beaten Carolina. I believe they would have beaten the Bruins. I know they would have beaten the Rangers. That's another thing. The Rangers, they came if they play against the Leafs and Chesterkin's the best goalie in the world, and it's not, you know, he he has one of those type of playoff series like Rask used to have back in the day against the Penguins. Like, remember those Penguins teams that got swept by the Bruins because Rask just stood on his head? Crosby and Malkin had no points. Like that that Chesterkin's that type of goalie. And I freaking hate the Rangers fans chanting Igor's better at Vasilevsky yesterday, though. Listen, Daddy Vasilevsky owned your ass last year, and he's the best goalie maybe in the league. And Chesterkin's coming, but don't disrespect Daddy Vasilevsky like that, Rangers fans. But eh, go Leafs go. This is the year. This is the year. I'm telling you, this is the year. Chara retired. No player in the league has lost a playoff series to the Leafs now that Chara retired. I'm telling you, this is it. This is it. I don't know. I don't know about winning the cup. I mean, that, you know, you need to be Baby steps, win around. Yeah, exactly. You also, to win the cup, you need to be healthy. McKinnon, McCarr, Landis, Cog, and Ranton, and all made it to the Stanley Cup final. The Lightning lost point along the way, who's their third best forward. Like, you know, that could have been a big difference in the Stanley Cup final. If they had point, it might have been a seven. Colorado might have still won. I don't think it would have been as easy, but... Oh, and they freaking, the Leafs, that game against the Lightning where they lost in overtime and they blew it late in the game. Like, you just can't let that happen this year. <laughs> you, like, eventually, water levels out. Go, Leafs, go. I, I'm going to be do on you, the Leafs. Do you know, it's kind of, you know, like when you're filling out a March Madness bracket and, like, yeah. you're going through your picks mm-hmm. and you got, like, you, you always choose the one seeds. There's, like, no thinking about it. 
Like yeah, you just click yeah. one, like one, one. If the 16 seed somehow wins, like everybody will yeah. have that run. Yeah, you, you never like look at, all right, who are they putting out? No, you always hit one, one, one. But when we fill out our hockey bracket, whoever the Leafs are playing, it's just automatic other team just because of their their um, reputation in the playoffs. I just yeah. like, oh, the Leafs are in the first. Okay, I'll go with Boston. Or I'll go with whoever. Well, they play my guys. Ale, 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 Montreal. Now, in the regular Tonight. season, they're a different, they're a different story. They could beat anyone. They can beat anyone. And we'll they see. have Matt Murray now who has playoff experience. He might be mediocre in the regular season. I think the Leafs are a really good team that will mask a lot of Matt Murray's deficiencies in the regular season. But in the playoffs, this guy is a madman. Okay, He won two Stanley Cups before his rookie status evaded him because he was technically a rookie for both of his two Stanley Cups based on the NHL's definition of a rookie. Oh, my God. I can't watch, wait to watch the Leafs play the freaking Montreal Canadiens tonight. We got the Boston Bruins playing the Capitals, Blackhawks, Avalanche, Blue Jackets, Hurricanes, Seattle Kraken versus the Anaheim Ducks, and Vancouver Canucks versus the Edmonton Oilers. Um, before we preview all those games, though, I kind of want to go through each award quickly and give your way-too-soon guaranteed-to-be-right-about-almost-none-of-them predictions for all the awards throughout the season. And we will start with the easy one, the Ted Lindsay award, who's going to win the player voted by the players, by his fellow players to be the best player in the NHL. I think it's going to be uh, Connor McDavid. It's it's hard for him not to be right. It's hard not to pick that when uh, you're like most outstanding player. I mean, who's not going to vote for the guy? Yeah. And McDavid wins the heart the Ted Lindsay award, even in years he doesn't win the heart. I think Matthews won both last year. But, you know, there's the rare year where that happens. Like, you know, we, neither of us might pick McDavid to win the heart. It's possible. Okay. But I think if you had to pick a player to be voted by every other player as the most outstanding player in the league, it is Connor McDavid. I agree with you. We are one for one on agreeing. And then the other one, who do you think is going to win the coach of the year in the National Hockey League? See, this this is interesting. I was going through the different coaches. I'm like, all right, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a team. It's going to go to a coach that really just excelled their team to make the playoffs. So originally, this isn't my pick. I was thinking Lindy Ruff. I'm like, the Devils have a good year, and they, they get into the playoffs. I mean, they might give it to Lindy Ruff, but then I'm like, well, if they squeak in as a fourth seed in the Metro, they're probably not going to give it to Lindy Ruff. I'm like, okay, yeah, you made the playoffs as a fourth seed. And then I really thought, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I forgot about this coach. I think it's going to be Bruce Cassidy taking the – Taking the Vegas Golden Knights from non-playoff team, missing the playoffs for the first time, coming in as a first-year coach, and I could see him winning the division and winning the Pacific. If they do that, Bruce Cassidy is going to win Coach of the Year. You fucking motherfucker. I swear to God. That's what I was going to say. Tough. Okay, okay. So Bruce Cassidy's in the running. Lindy Ruff is in the running. I actually think if Lindy Ruff is it, in the running if the Devils exceed our expectations of making. Yes, it because I think a lot of people kind of have in that they're they're the sexy pick this year. There's always a sexy pick every year. The team that has stunk for a while that everyone's like, ooh, look at this shiny new toy. The Devils are that shiny new toy right now. The White Sox were that toy for a couple years there, and then even in 15, 16, the Cubs were that little toy in baseball. Right now in baseball, I would say it's the Mariners. They're like the new shiny toy that has everybody wants them to win. I kind of think that's the Devils right now. So I do think that works against Lindy Ruff. But yeah, if they won the division, or if they then, then it, it might be Lindy Ruff. Yeah, I would actually Lindy probably Ruff guarantee is it. In the running. 
I actually also think there's one other guy that has a chance to be the coach of the year. No. Fuck a lot. Fuck the Rangers. I hope they lose it's every the other Rangers. game. The they would have to really smoke everyone. Gallant is a oh, well-known a great coach. Um, I think Daryl Sutter really? could be in the running. Yes, because I think he got boned last year. I think he got boned too. And if the Calgary Flames are that good again after losing hockey and Kachuk, and they bring in Huberto and they bring in Kadri and it all just works for them, I'm taught not just make the playoff works. Because right now I probably have Edmonton as the best team in the division on paper. If Calgary ends up being the best team in the division and it's not close, I believe there's a chance that um, Daryl Sutter could win it. I also think um, Jim Montgomery, the new coach of the Boston Bruins, if the Bruins are really good, every, there are lots of people. The sexy fail pick is the Bruins. Everyone wants the Bruins to fall off this year. Well, they bring back David Krejci. Okay, David Krejci's one of the best players in Bruins history. He took all of last year off. Can't wait to watch Cratch play for the Bruins tonight. Um, if the Bruins are really good, I think he'll be in the mix too. And then, of course, any of the stinky teams, if they somehow sneak into the playoffs, like Detroit, Ottawa, like the typically stinky teams, Seattle, um, if somehow by a miracle of God, the Blackhawks <laughs> were to make it, you know what I'm saying? Like if they had this crazy surprise year, which would hurt them in the long run because Bedard is better than getting smoked by the Avalanche in the first round this year. I, I firmly believe that every year. But um, then that guy would probably be in the consideration. It, the coach of the year always goes to one of two people. It always goes to either the coach – whose team was just so dominant or it goes to the coach who's like, Hey, we kind of thought you were going to stink this year, but you ended up being pretty okay. Here's coach of the year. So that's why it's a hard, it's probably one of the hardest uh, awards to predict because of that fact. There are so many different biases that go in it. There are so many different reasonings for voting. We're like the heart trophy goes to, one one of the top three scorers who willed this team into the playoffs is pretty cut and dry. The Vesna Trophy oftentimes goes to the guy who's top five in save percentage, goals against, and wins. Like, you know, a lot of the time it's pretty cut and dry. Coach of the year, a lot of different guys can be argued, and no answer is necessarily wrong at the end of each year. We both had different opinions at the end of last season, and neither of our guy ended up winning. So that's why I think Coach of the Year is hardest to predict. That's my long-winded answer of saying that. So, Frank? Who do you think is going to win the Selkie Trophy as the league's greatest two-way forward? This will be interesting to see who we pick. I don't know if we'll agree. Maybe we're going to agree. It'd be kind of funny if we did. Um, I'm going to go with Alexander Barkov. He's to help his being a two-way forward. You got to perform on defense and offense. He's got. He'll be playing with Matthew Kachuk, who will just. I think that'll help him offensively. He's great defensively as well. And I think this is going to be the year that Barkov wins the Selkie. Who won it last year? Did Bergeron take it? No, I don't think so. Uh, Did he? We were talking about will he, because if he won it, he would have broke the record, right? Bergeron did win the Frank J. Selkie Trophy in 2022. I don't think he's going to win back to back because he was. I was considering him two 
I just I didn't see him winning back to back, so I went with Barkov. I firmly believe Bergeron will be nominated again, and he'll like set the record for the most times ever being nominated. I believe he already did break the most Selkies ever. I think won. he did, yeah. And I think he got that extra couple sympathy votes so he could break the record. He was well deserving of it. There's no doubt. But I agree with you. I have Barkov written down, and I believe Alexander Barkov will be the winner of the Selkie Trophy this year. I mean, he dealt with a little bit of an injury last year. He, he didn't miss a lot of time, but he, pro- he probably missed like 20 games, if I recall, scattered throughout the season. He probably played in like 60-something games and ended up with 80-something points. If he plays in all 82 games this season, I believe he can have north of 100 points, and he's one of the greatest penalty killers in the league. He wins face-offs. He can back-check as well as any guy who only focuses on defense. And I think he's one of the greatest players in the league. I stand by that. I think Florida is going to take a step back this season, but he is not going to be the reason why. If anything, he takes a step forward, which is one of the reasons I had Florida squeaking into the place, the postseason. And I just think the world of this guy, I know you and Joey Parisi ridiculed me a couple years ago when we were at a bonfire at Mr. John Presbolinski's house. And I said to you, motherfuckers, that if, I can redraft the NHL from top to bottom right now. And age was taken into consideration. He would be in my top five drafted. He would go number five. And you guys were like, huh? I still don't agree with it, I don't think. Okay, but you see where I was coming from at the time. Yeah. He's in your top ten, I presume. Probably. But if I said that about Bergeron in 2005, (laughs) you all would have laughed at me. And I would have said that about Bergeron in 2005. And here we are all these years later. If you can look back at the five best players in the NHL since 2005, it's Crosby, Ovechkin, Kane, probably Dowdy, Bergeron. that, That would probably be my list of best players since 2005. Keith would be in the mix. Malkin would be in the... Oh, no, I would put Malkin above Dowdy. Okay, even if we just say forwards. Bergeron would be in that mix for sure. So I love Barkov, and I know you do too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's his year. Although I'm pretty sure he's not starting the season with Kachuk. Does that surprise you? I thought he was. Is he not? I, I let me let me take a look at Florida's because I like having these little side. I mean, maybe maybe not. Maybe yeah. he's not, but if he, he is, be. that's definitely gonna. He is right. No, I'm saying if he's not, he will be at some point. I oh, yeah, for sure. Because that'll definitely though. help. But, um, yeah. yeah, we'll see how the Florida Panthers perform this year. Um, I, I know Barkov's going to have a good year. Great asset to have on a fantasy team. Oh, yeah. I don't know who oh, has yeah. it. Who knows? I might have him, and I don't even know it. I don't even know my fantasy team that well. Uh, I don't have my team memorized at all. I know I have. So. I know I have Daddy Vasilevsky. I have sorrows. I normally don't take goalies high, but I had the back-to-back 10th overall pick. Yeah. Um. Okay, I can't find Florida's forward lines right now in the spot that I thought I was going to be able to find them quickly. You want me take one last gasp at finding these jabronis, the Florida Panthers? I am – oh, I do I got thought it. I heard that he I was. I got but... it. So – Verhage is supposed to play on the top line with Barkov and Reinhardt. Oh, but okay. 
Verhage is a little bit hurt right now. So in practice, they've been using this kid whose last name is Sourdiff or Sourdiff. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Yeah. Um, if Verhage's able to play, though, in their first game, I assume he will be with Barkov and Reinhardt. They got Kachuk on the second line with Sam Bennett and Balsers. Which kind of makes sense. Because you don't want to, you don't want to just stack one line, right? You kind of want to spread out your talent a little bit, so it makes 100%. sense. Hundred percent. And Bennett was kind of a bust in Calgary. Gets traded to Florida last year. He was a prodigy, like he was so good with the Panthers last year. And then they got that kid Lundell, who we talked about in the Rookie of the Year conversation yep. last year as their third line center. That's a pretty good Barkov, Bennett, Lundell top three centers. They have Cousins as their fourth line center. Don't love that, but they do have Hornquist on the fourth line. And I do like their their defense. Forsling playing with Ekblad, um, Stahl playing with Montour, Mahara with Gudis. So it's not a terrible team, but Barkov's obviously the cream of the crop there along with Kachuk. Awesome. Wow, we we that dove into all these. Frank, who do you have for the Norris Trophy? Because of last year, I have a sour taste in my mouth with the Norris. I'm, I'm still going to go with Kale McCarr this year. If freaking Roman Yossi couldn't win the Norris last year with the performance he had, I, I thought it was stolen for him. I don't know what a guy's going to have to do to take it from McCarr because I think McCarr's only going to get better. So I'm going to go with Kale McCarr winning it back-to-back. That's fair. Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr winning it was a shock to me. They used him more against better players. And he had 10 less points. So I understand the logic of the people who voted for McCarr. Roman Yossi's common opponents to Kale McCarr's don't match. Even though they're in the same division, Nashville did Yossi more favors with how they distributed his ice time, where Kale McCarr was out there against the Kopitars, the Taveses, the McDavid's. He had those assignments where they would use Ekholm more in those defensive-minded assignments. Kale McCarr has since – and I think about a guy like Quinn Hughes when they were running head-to-head for the Calder Trophy in each of their rookie years a couple years ago. Quinn Hughes had a couple more points, actually, I believe, or if he didn't, he was just short. But McCarr's defense was terrible. Quinn Hughes's was awesome. Last year, Quinn Hughes's was terrible, and McCarr's was awesome. And they call him Connor McDavid on skates and – or on defense, I mean. Of course, they're on skates. They're hockey players. Um, I I agree with you. I think Kale McCarr is going to win six of the next seven Norris trophies. I've never seen – McKinnon's not the best player on the Colorado Avalanche. He's not. Kale McCarr is. Kale McCarr is one of the five best players in the NHL at any position. I firmly believe if I – now if I were redrafting the league, I'd probably bump out Barkov. I I meant it at the time I said it. It would have to be McDavid, Matthews, McK- or McCarr, Drysidel, and maybe Bedard, from what I'm hearing. But we'll see. I don't know. McCarr would be uh, McKinnon would probably be that guy in five. There's two Avalanche, which is why they're in a league of their own. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Kale McCarr. I, I I really don't have anything else to say about Kale McCarr other than I've never seen this, and I don't believe any living person has seen it unless you were alive to watch Bobby Orr play. 
Like I, I, that's how highly I think of Kale McCarr. I think he is going to go down as one of if he keeps what he's doing up, and he's what twenty three. I think he's twenty three on the dot. When he's twenty seven, and in the heart of his prime, what are we going to be seeing from this guy? You know, is he going to be better than Lidstrom? I think so. I think so. Is he going to be better than Keith? I think so. Dowdy? I think so. How about Chara? I think so. Those are the four best defensemen in the last 25 years. Eric Carlson, the offense was there. I think Kale McCarr matches that, if not better. Carlson was terrible on defense, though, for a lot of the years. Brent Burns, really good on offense, terrible on defense. Mike Green is the last defenseman to score 30 goals. I think McCarr will. Like, every positive thing you could think about a defenseman, I think you're throwing it at Kel McCarr. He's a mix. He's a mix of Keith Dowdy and Orr in one player. And I know that sounds crazy, recency bias. There are going to be, you know, some older folks with pitchforks coming after me for saying someone's as good as their ultimate great Bobby Orr. I'm saying it. Kel McCarr will win the Norris Trophy. I agree. Calder Trophy as the league's top rookie. You're, you're hard to understand right now. How about now? Yeah, you're better. Who is going to win the Calder Trophy as the league's top rookie? This is another one that's tough to predict along with Coach of the Year because any given year you can have anybody just have that breakout year. Like you don't know what you're going to get from these rookies and then it's like that guy pops off and he wins the Calder, right? And it doesn't have to be like a guy who was freshly drafted. It could be a guy who was drafted, went to college, come out this year. Exactly. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you, you just you never know. But I'm gonna go with one of the most NHL ready rookies, in my opinion, and that's Maddie Beniers. Um I think the Kraken are gonna be bad this year, but I think they're gonna be a competitive bad, meaning that they're gonna lose like a lot of one goal games. They're gonna be that team where like they have the stats that come up and it's like record in one goal games. I think they're gonna that's gonna be their biggest downfall this year. I think they might have a little they might have some surprises. Um, we'll see what happens with them. Don't think they're going to be that good, but like I said, I think they're going to be a competitive bad, and I think that's going to be because of Ben Years on the team. I think he's going to take it all. But ultimately, we'll have to see what happens because, like I said, any rookie could come out of nowhere and just win it. So, What about Shane Wright? He's scaring me a little bit. I don't like his attitude. Why? I, just, I don't know. There was just something about him. Like I, I just – Weren't there a lot of issues with like the way he was, his attitude and stuff? And yeah. I just, I just don't think that's going to translate well on the ice. And there's a reason he didn't go first after or all second. the hype around him. Or second or third. Exactly. He just fell. Yeah. My pick for the Calder Trophy is Owen Power of the Buffalo Sabres. There are people saying he's a tick below Makar. And I don't know if I necessarily think a tick below – but, like, what is a tick below Makar? Quinn Hughes? Okay, yeah, I think Owen Power could be that good. And I think Buffalo is going to be wildly improved. Like, I think they have good players on their team. They have a lot of prospects that people haven't heard of that are going to make them a very exciting team. I think they're going to be a good bad. With everything you feel about the crack and I feel about Buffalo. And I think Owen Power is going to be – Moritz Sider level good this season, and he is my pick for the Calder Trophy. First one we disagree with. Yeah, but, but, that, but that's like, tough. That's tough. Yeah, but that's we agreed tough. on Coach of the Year, which is tougher. Yes, I agree. We both we both have a little bias on Coach of the Year. Let, I'm firmly willing to admit that. 
I, I don't know. I think they're going to win the division, the Vegas. And I think. Okay. But you like Brucey and, you know. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't, there was really, honestly, I swear, there's really no bias going into okay, the that's Unless fair. it's like on, like, what is the word where it's like. Subconscious. Um, subconsciously biased. Yeah. I And and I, I think it might be for me because I I wrote down Bruce Cassidy and I, I had that too. And I just know I've watched Bruce's team. I've watched a lot of games Bruce has coached. I haven't watched every Bruins game since he's been hired, but I, I've watched the guy coach a lot. So I think there's a little bit there. But with the Calder Trophy, like, am I going to be stunned if Ben Years wins it? No, I love Ben Years. Both of the guys we picked scored their first career NHL goals against the New Jersey Devils in the same week last year. That's so, funny. like, I love Ben Years. I watched him play, and, you know, before he was drafted, I haven't watched Owen Power as much because I don't watch a lot of CHL games, even though I really wish I had a way to, like, I just don't have a way to, like I have a subscription to AHL TV. Like I'll be watching a lot of the AHL this year. I'm actually, yeah. I'm going to probably write about the Rockford ice Hawks for thewindycity.com just as much as the Chicago Blackhawks, because I'm going to have them on my computer a lot. I can't wait to watch the ice Hawks. One of my predictions that went up on thewindycity.com today, I wrote my three bold predictions. One of them is that the Rockford ice Hawks will be an elite team. Because I do think they're going to be. They have a great forward with Reichel. I like their depth. Their goaltender's awesome with Soderblom. So, you know, but as far as the Calder Trophy, Owen Power. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be a great player. He's going to be a really good player. And he gets to play on he the same been up there Darlene, you know, Darlene's really, really good. He's like a fantasy defenseman. He top 20 defenseman in the NHL, maybe. I, I think the world of him. I I would put Luke Hughes if he was playing with the team, just out of pure bias. But he won't play till March or whatever. And who knows? Maybe Michigan will go so far that he doesn't make his NHL. Because I forgot about Fantilli playing for Michigan. I mean, you have you have Luke Hughes, who's the top five prospect in the NHL. And you have Seamus Casey, who's a really, really good player. You lost Owen Power, Kent Johnson, and Ben Years, but you replaced them with Fantilli. You still have Hughes, Casey, a bunch of these other guys. I think Michigan's going to be really good. But that's our young prospect talk, Calder Trophy. Frank has Ben Years. I have Power. Place your bets today. Frank. Next on the docket, we did the Norris Trophy. Let's do the Vezina Trophy. Who will be the league's top goaltender this season? I think everybody thinks it's going to be Shesterkin again, right? Or Vasilevsky. Popular I'm going to go pick. with a little... Huh? Popular picks for sure. Popular picks. I'm going to go a little bit off the board, but not too far off. You're not going to think I'm crazy. You'll understand. I'm going to go with UC Saros. Just based on what I saw from him in game one of the Global Series, he had a one goals against. He looked pretty good. And if the Predators are going to be as good as they say they're going to be, it's, he's going to be a big uh, reason in that. So I'm going to go with UC Saros. Did I accidentally send you a screenshot of my <laughs> pick? <laughs> they're not all exact. No, but like you had to switch one to make it look like you didn't copy me. <laughs> I'm going with UC Saros as well. I think Shesterkin will be in the mix. I think Vasilevsky will be in the mix. I think Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the NHL, and I think – Chesterkin's the second best, but this just feels like a UC Saros. Nashville is going to be great. Um, I love, I mean, they dominated the Sharks. I mean, the Sharks suck. They're one of the worst teams in the league. I get that, 
but they have a Norris Trophy caliber defenseman. They play a sound defensive system under John Hines. They have great forwards that will score. They have great forwards that will back check. I think Nashville's an elite team in the NHL right now, and UC Saros is a big reason why. He's my guy for the Vezina Trophy. Maybe I'm biased because I got him in fantasy, but I think that uh, I think this is a UC Saros type of year. Yeah. I think I have him in my other league. I think. I'm still working to memorize. I'll have it all down by this time next week for sure. But that leaves the big boy. The most revered individual trophy. Eh, some people would probably rather win the Conn Smythe. But I would say on a Hall of Fame case, the Hart Trophy is the most important piece of hardware you can have. And so I ask you, who do you think is going to win the Hart Trophy as the most valuable player of the regular season to his team? You know, I had it between two players, actually. One of them and Connor McDavid, who is who I think is going to win the heart, only because this other player I have, I don't think he's going to win the heart and another trophy that we mentioned. It's Kale McCarr is the second choice. I think Connor McDavid's going to take the heart. I just don't see him winning the Norris and the heart in the same year. And just the way Connor McDavid performs, I'm going to go with the chalk answer of Connor McDavid. Yeah, that's fair. That's a very fair pick. I am going to, because obviously those are the guys, right? Like they're going to be near the top of the ballot every single year. One's going to score a million goals. One's going to, they're both going to score a million goals. Um, lots and lots of points. I'm going to go off the board a little bit here, though, just, just to make it interesting. I firmly recognize that this might not happen. One of your two will probably be it in the end. But I'm going to go off the board with a little bit of a strange prediction here. I think that somebody I already said for another award is going to win the Hart Trophy this year. I think this is the first time in a long time that a defenseman wins the Hart Trophy, and that comes in the form of Kale McCarr. He is going to have so many points this season. Like, it wouldn't stun me if he had 120 points. It's not off the board. Why do you say that? Because that was what I said. I said McDavid or McCarr. Yeah, but I thought you said Matthews. No, I said Kale McCarr. I said I don't think he's going to win it because um, he, he's. I think he's going to win the Norris, and I don't think he's going to win the Norris and the Hart in the same season. For some reason, I was thinking Matthews when you said No, I, I said Kale McCarr. Okay, so it's not that far off the board then, I guess. I don't think it's that off the board. He might win it. I just don't think he's going to win both. Okay, so then where does Matthews for, – for some reason, I'm picturing Matthews while you're talking, and I'm like, okay, so those are the two. And it's probably because I was just thinking, like, everyone's going to pick McDavid and Matthews. But I, I love Makar, and I think what he does is just unbelievable. Yeah, and so I don't true. see – I don't see how if he has 110 points and the Avalanche make the playoffs and he wins the Norris Trophy and it's just so not close that he wins the Norris Trophy. Like, yeah, what that's what doing? I'm saying. I think it's one or the other. Yeah, my bad on that. I thought you said Matthews. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, you obviously probably clearly said Makar, but I was like dozing in my head thinking about Matthews. And so I, I but Matthews is a guy. Who I He's think... going to be trophyless this year, I think. Uh, there's one that comes his way, I think. Rocky Richard? Yeah. I don't know. 
Who's going to score more goals than Matthews? Could be Drysaddle. Could be Kaprizov. I think Kaprizov's going to have a breakout year. That would be sick. Yeah, I don't know. That would be sick. Because I think Kaprizov's going to be one of the guys who hits 50 this year. Kaprizov? Yeah, 100%. I think it's possible. But do you think he could be in the mix for the Hart Trophy? Huh? Do you think he could be in the mix for the Hart Trophy? Because I do. Kaprizov? Yeah, I do. That's like... Yeah, it's like my sleeper. It would be my sleeper pick. Yeah, 100%. But... Okay, so I'm glad you think that about Makar. I thought I was going to be like a no, I don't think that's far off. Mm-mm. A defenseman, not going to win it. Like I just don't see him winning that and the Norris. Well, they're not going to give the Norris trophy to someone else. Yeah, if but I think like heart. if he locks up, like, I don't know. I just don't see him winning both. It just, it doesn't make sense. So then you kind of... Don't think the a defenseman's ever gonna win it ever again. The heart, because they're not gonna give the heart to a defenseman and the Norris to someone else. That just makes no sense. Well, if like if um, Roman Yossi won the Norris, I'm like, all right, maybe Kale McCarr will win the heart. That would be stunning. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. It just it it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. In my brain. Yeah. I, I agree. I just, I think the world of this guy, he, it's almost like he plays two positions. You know Which what I'm let's saying? Be, well, let's be honest, though. Like, we could say McCarr is going to win, like, six of the next seven Norrises, but is it actually going to happen? That's tough. That's no. tough. Yeah, I know. Because, like, what if Luke Hughes has a sick year? What if Owen Power has a sick year? What if we have another Roman Yossi? Which is going to open the opportunity to Makar of winning the heart one of these years. I just don't think it's going to be this year because I think Makar is going to win the Norris. Yeah. I just don't I think, think they would do that. Maybe So the Norris is like the heart for defensemen? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to give think. them both? I just don't think it's gonna. they're going to do that. When you got a guy like McDavid out there. I just don't think it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It wouldn't. Okay, this is going to shock you. This will make you think I'm on glue. I think Kale McCarr is capable of winning the scoring title. Yeah, it's, you are on glue. Why? Because it's tough for a defenseman to outscore a forward of like the calibers of these players. I know. I of McDavid that, and Drysaddle and Matthews and. That's it's what tough. I think of McCarr. That's what I think of Makar. It's tough. We'll see. I, yeah, I know I, it's tough. If he's in that echelon, though, even if he has 10 less points than McDavid, he's got to be in consideration for the heart. He'll be in consideration. He'll be a nominee. I would love to see it. When's the last time a defenseman was even close? I want to know if it's ever happened where a defenseman has won the Norse and the heart. I would say no. I don't know about that. I want to go back. I, I would love to do the research and go back and look at every year, the Hart and Norris, because I, I would say it's never been done before. I'm going to look into it. It's probably too much to look up on my phone right now. I got notes on my phone that I'm looking at. But, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely an interesting conversation. Maybe we'll address that on next week's episode. Cause... Yeah, I'm very interested. Okay, honestly. so the four or five players that were brought up, though, in the mix, McDavid, Makar, Matthews, Kaprizov, and then I think Dreisaitl's in the mix, too. Uh, he's already won one, yeah. and 
he's he's going to keep that elite play going. I think um, McKinnon can obviously be in the mix. Um, I think as well, but I like McCarr and Matthews and McDavid. I would say I would be stunned if it's not one of those three. But yesterday we watched two games take place: the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Los Angeles Kings. What are your highlights from those games? Hold on, really quick. I did the research, okay? Only two players ever have won the Hart and the Norris in the same season. And the last time that happened um, was 1999 to the 2000s, and then in 1971 to 72. Um, Raymond Bork? Nope. Lidstrom? Nope. A defenseman that won both. Because, like, was it Niedermeyer or Stevens? Nope. A defenseman that won One that... you're probably not going to think of, but the other one you're going to kick yourself. I'm trying to think, like... Obviously, you know both of these players. You're just not going to think of one of them. And neither of them are Bobby Orr? No, Bobby Orr is one. Oh. Did you say Bobby Orr? No. Oh. Bobby Orr's one. He was the first one? Yeah, in the 70s. Okay, and then the most recent one? Uh-huh. There's only been two? Yeah. That's it. Damn. I'm trying. Yeah. Oh, is it? I don't think you're going to think of it. This guy's going to slip your mind. Is it Doug Wilson? Nope. Um, I want to guess it. Who the H was it? I could give you their initials. Fine. CP. Chris Pronger. Yep. That's banana lands. Has anybody yep. won? Has any defenseman won the heart and not the Norris? I doubt it. That means there's only two heart trophy winning defensemen. Mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. I just can't see. Like when Clayton Kershaw won the MVP, he also won the Cy Young. Like, I view that as the same thing. If you're so good that you win the MVP, you got to also get the Cy Young. There's an article, on, and it's titled, Why Don't Defensemen Win the Hart Trophy? <laughs> <laughs> and that's because, here's my logic again, is like the Norris is like the heart for defensemen, so there's no reason to give it to Makar for the Hart Trophy. You're like jipping somebody else. It, it's it's rare. It's only happened twice, and I just I don't see that happening. I think back then was a different area, an era. There's a reason it's been 22 years, and then another 30 before that. It's just it's something that doesn't happen too often. Yeah, I mean, but I don't think annoying. you're far off. He's one of my two, but I just don't it's think annoying. it's gonna happen. <laughs> Makar needs to be in consideration for that, I think. But yeah, back to the games. What did you think of last night? What were your highlights? Well, I'll touch on the Rangers first, the Rangers and the Lightning game. Rangers looked like the team I expected them to. I said they're going to come in better than they were last season. They looked great. Shesterkin looked great. Um, but if you remember last year, it took Tampa a little bit of time to get their feet off the ice, right, and get going. And I mean, Mika's a binge ad for the Rangers. He looked good. He had a shorthanded goal, power play goal, game-winning goal. I think that's going to be key to the Rangers' success this year. I think the Rangers look good, and I think they're going to be a dangerous team, especially at home. Um, as far as the Vegas game, 
the Knights were peppering in in terms of shots on goal. 51 shots on goal. That's something I would have never predicted. Their goaltending scares me, like you said. I think that that's probably their biggest weakness this year is their goaltending. Quickly looked pretty decent until the third. They're going to have to get their goaltending sorted out. Is it going to be Peterson? Is it going to be quick? Who knows? But the thing about the Knights that is a big reason why I think they're going to win the division is they're healthy. You look at the goals, Stone, Marcheseau, Eichel, and Carlson. Those are like four of their biggest name players, and they all contributed. They each had a goal. I think that is crucial if they are to win this division. And, and we saw that Vegas Golden Knights team that let us down last year, but coming back healthy, we saw what damage they could do in just one game. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. They were they were good in every asset of the game. And I'm sure Logan Thompson doesn't want to be giving up three goals a lot, but you know, sometimes that happens. Yeah. Um, especially a Kings team that's good. They play hard. Vegas probably wants to be better on the power play. One for five is twenty-five percent. That's or no, that's twenty percent. They probably want to be a little bit better than that, but you know, it's the first game of the season. They got one, which is nice. They didn't go 0 for 5, which probably would have caused them to lose yeah. if we think about it for real. Um, I just – I loved what I saw from Vegas. I also didn't hate what I saw from the Kings because – No, they weren't terrible. Yeah, I, I, I didn't love it by any means, but they were in a game that they kind of got outplayed in, and I think that's the sign of a playoff team. Is if you can be in a game and they were a couple, they were what? When did Stones go? 27 seconds, something yeah, like that? Yeah, something like that. Less than 30 seconds. If that doesn't happen, they go to overtime. They each get a point. You see what happens there. It's a crapshoot from there. But my my favorite takeaway is the players that got it done for Vegas offensively in terms of goal scoring were Eichel, Stone, yep. and Wild Bill. And if Wild Bill can score 20, 25 goals like we know he's capable of doing, he's done it for each of the last however many years. Stone is right there. for the, He's the only winger in the league that I think could win the Selkie Trophy. Uh, maybe Hurdle, but I don't think Hurdle's on a good enough team. Um, but Stone is that good. He's that good. And then I think Eichel is one of the 20 best players in the NHL. And he was injured for all of last year, didn't really – seemed to gel with Vegas as much as some people thought right away. It took some time. I think this year, a hundred points could be on the table. He's the leader of that team now and offensively. And I really liked what I saw from Vegas. Yep, like, I agree. Get, get good goaltending. That'll be really yep. good. And then Rangers lightning. It was a tale of two teams that are really, really good. And one won the game three to one. Stamco scored on the power play. He will score his 500th career goal and his 1,000th point this season, which is really, really cool. I love Stamkos. I love seeing him succeed. The power play one-timers there, he's going to score a lot this season. Um, the Rangers, they played a sound game. They got that shorthanded goal, which swayed all the momentum in their direction. And then that, that shorthanded goal by Zibanejad, too. The finish on it was just oh so soft and smooth. Like, it was just pretty. What a sick goal for the like first goal. It's not the first goal of the regular season. In North America. In North America. but Yeah. It, yeah, it's definitely really, really cool. Um, 
and seeing him, he scored the exact same goal as Stamkos on the power play where he's just clapped. So you know he's going to score lots of goals this season in multiple different ways as long as he's healthy. Panarin looked fast. He looked ready to go. He missed on the breakaway, but again, it is Vasilevsky. Like, you're not always going to score on those. But I thought Panarin was all over the ice. I loved Fox's game. Shesterkin looked great. Vasilevsky also looked great. The Lightning and the Rangers are both problems, and I think last night's games were kind of a signs of that. So mm-hmm. those are my takeaways from that game. There are a lot of games. Did you have something to add? No. no. There are lots of games between now and our next show. Starting tonight, you're going to have every team not named the Predators, Sharks, Golden Knights, Kings, Rangers, Lightning make their season debut over the next two nights, two or three nights. I'm sure there's someone that has to wait till Friday. Um, what are you the most excited for? There's three games in particular. Two of them are Blackhawks games. I'm really looking forward to seeing the banner race tonight. I'm on the opposite end of it. Usually I'm watching my team raise the banner, but now I'm watching the other team raise the banner. It should be a good game. I feel bad for the Hawks. They, they'll probably get killed, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. I'm also excited for the uh, the Hawks game tomorrow against Vegas, two of my favorite teams going at it. Uh, that should be fun. But another game on the docket tonight, which is it's just whenever these two teams get together, there's always like that special feeling in the air. It's going to be a good, hard-fought battle. That's the Bruins and the Capitals. I mean, when the Bruins go into Washington, it's always a tough game. We'll see how Alex Ovechkin comes out in the first game of the season. I think he's going to regress a little bit this year. Maybe he'll prove me wrong and score a hat trick tonight. But, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, those those are the three games I think I'm looking forward to most. With the honorable mention to the Seattle and Anaheim game tonight, I think that's going to be a really good game too. I haven't looked really deep into the week and, and into the weekend in those games. But, yeah, th- those are the games I'm most excited for. Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree with you more on the banner raising. Of course, it's going to be cool to see the Colorado Avalanche raise their banner, celebrating their first Stanley Cup championship in a really long time. Um, It all starts for the New Jersey Devils tomorrow in Philly against the Philadelphia Flyers. That is our first episode of Game Day Live presented by the Let's Go Devils podcast. You can watch me host a pregame show for a half hour every single Devils game this season, minus a couple few, you know, when I've got things going on. But, of course, every single Devils game there is a pregame show. Um, And then they have their home opener on Saturday night against the Detroit Red Wings where they will honor one of my all-time favorite Devils, Andy Green, who was their captain for a long time. He was one of their more solid defensemen. He was never like a top flight captain in the NHL. Like if the captains are usually superstars, Andy Green was never a superstar, but he was just a really, really solid player. Nothing was ever his fault defensively. He was always right place, right time. He didn't score a lot of points. He never really had more than 15 to 20 points a season. He was a defensive defenseman, but he was a great captain. And when they play the Red Wings and they bring out Dylan Larkin and Nico Heischer to take the face off against one another with him dropping the puck, it's going to be a great sign. He played it a little bit at the end for the New York Islanders as well. But I love Andy Green, and I'm excited to see the Blackhawks honor him. Um, Also looking forward to watching the Bruins. You know, it's been a minute since they were eliminated. I enjoy watching the Bruins games. And then, of course – My Toronto Maple Leafs, they're going to be so good. They're going to shove it up everyone's hoop all season long. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, John Tavares, Morgan Riley, 
It is Matthew Bunting. It is just an unbelievable team. They have their home opener on Saturday night against the Ottawa Senators. Very much looking forward to that game between those two beauty of teams. Um, or no, their home opener's tomorrow. I like uh-huh. it against Washington. Um, but they have that home game on Saturday against Ottawa that I'm very excited about. And I plan on watching a lot of Ottawa this season. It should be a great, great time. Very much looking forward to these games coming up. Yep. I, I agree. I mean, I think there's a lot of good games. It's like kind of like when the NFL football season got underway, they choose matchups that like everybody could tune in and like, right? Like, I mean, you got, I mean, we mentioned a bunch of these games that are Bruins, Capitals, got them like rivalry games almost because they want to have people tune into these games. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of uh, good wood up for this week on the, uh, the agenda. So. Frank. Is there an NHL storyline out there right now that you want to bring to the attention of the folks at home? Well, I just thought it was really interesting. I don't know who pulled the players, but the, there was a 50-player poll taken on who's going to win the Stanley Cup this year. And those and whoever it was, if it was the NHL or if it was somebody, asked 50 NHL players who they think are going to win the Stanley Cup. And broken down... 32 players picked the Colorado Avalanche. Five players picked the Tampa Bay Lightning. Three players picked the Flames, and three players picked the Hurricanes. Two players picked the Panthers. Another two picked the Rangers. And another two declined to answer, which is just stupid. Why, If you're being asked, just pick a team. What are you, like, butthurt? Like, because you think your team's going to win and you can't pick your team? Because I, I don't think you were allowed to pick your team either. So like, oh, I'm going to picking because I think I, my team's going to win. That's just idiotic. And one goober who's on glue picked the Maple Leafs. <laughs> so, so that is the breakdown we have, which I think Colorado is a clear favorite. But I would love to know which one of these goobers picked the Maple Leafs. I hope it was fucking Patrick Kane. Oh, my God. Or what a Taves. Bad. Or Taves. If it was Kane, trade him. Get him out. What if it was Taves? He said he holds a sauce part. Yeah, yeah, the goalies go. Yeah, they wouldn't dare. They're not idiots. Yeah, well, I'm sure they're not. I one million percent believe in the Leafs. They are going. But it was to very win. interesting to see the breakdown of all these teams. Oh, absolutely. And and what the players thought because the players are the ones playing the game. So it's like 32 people. Players think the Colorado Avalanche are going to repeat. That's crazy. Did you see the player poll for um... – And two people are going to pick the Panthers, who you think are going to really regress this year, which I is know. crazy. Did you see the poll for the Hart Trophy? I did not. McDavid, Matthews, McCarr were the top three in the player voting. I agree. I think Trophy. those are going to be the three nominees. I do too. Others who received votes: Jonathan Huberto, Jack okay. Hughes, Clayton Keller, Artemi Panarin, Victor Hedman, and Roman Yossi. Okay, that's fair. Will Jizzy? It's understandable. He'll be a nominee at least once in his career. Absolutely, I think so. That's my take. But my favorite story is going into each and every year, 
my favorite story always is rookies who make the camp out of the team out of camp. I almost said the camp out of team, the team out of camp. I love when guys make the camp out of team. Um, Of course, the big ones, Slavkovsky made the Montreal Canadiens, which I think is malpractice. He did not have a good preseason. I would have sent him to the AHL and let him get ready just because you're the number one overall pick. Look at how Owen Power is working out for Buffalo. He would not be the Owen Power that he is today if he played for Buffalo last year. I firmly believe that. And he is awesome now. And I can't wait to watch him dominate this season. I don't like that Montreal's doing that. I don't think just because they're a weak team. Like, look at the Hawks. They sent Korchinski. They're like, yeah, you're clearly our best defenseman. But guess what? You're going to freaking the juniors. And he might have been their number one. The only one who might have been their number one over him is Murphy. Like, he's fast. He's dynamic. Yeah, see you next year, pal. Um... Soderblom, yeah, you're the best goalie on this team, clearly. You're better than Mrazic and Stalock. You're probably better than them put together. Have fun in the AHL. Oh, Reichel, he's clearly one of their 12 best forwards. You can argue he should be in their top six. Have fun in Rockford, pal. Go go lead them in scoring. There is a method to this stuff, and I can't believe he made the team. But when he ultimately scores his first career NHL goal, I will be extremely happy for him, and that's my favorite story of the week is – Guys who are very young, reaching their dreams. Shane Wright making it for the uh, Seattle Kraken. Simone Nemich made it for the Devils, and then that was clearly a paper transaction, him making the team, because his salary cap hit was less if he made the team out of camp. So he made the team, and then today they sent him down and called up Kevin Ball, who was outstanding in the preseason. Nemich's defensive game clearly needs, needs work, so he will play for the Utica Comets, which is another reason I'm very happy to be a subscriber to AHL TV. But, you know, when those guys all come up and start scoring their first goals, I'm going to be very happy and excited to see it. Um, Owen Power and Ben Years already have theirs, but it'll be fun watching them play their full season. So I guess my story of the week is seeing young guys dominate in their rookie years. It's going to be so much fun to watch. I like that. I like that a lot. Also Ovechkin. Every goal he scores, you're going to get a notification on your phone now. Like, he's... He's reached that level. And if he scores 40 and has – wait, I said his 22nd goal. Or no, it is Yeah, you said 22nd. the 21st ties it. Yeah, that's true, 801. So if he has 40 goals this season, he will end with 720 goals, leaving him about 70 shy of Gretzky mm-hmm. and – you know, you figure two or three more years of 40 and he's right there in the mix to break it with 15 here, 15 there. Um, I don't need 50 from him this year. 50 would put him at 830, which now you're in. Would be insane. Huh? 50 would be insane. If he gets 50 and ends this season with 830 goals, then he's within 60 of – Gretzky, and then we could be talking about the 24-25 season as the year where he does it, and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. So like yeah. I could see him playing another five years. And if he goes if he goes 40-40-20-20, he got it. Like boom, done. Right, right. If he goes 50-40-30-20, he's got it. Like I, I just think there's the possibilities are endless. He plays the type of game where he's not going to get hurt. So Ovechkin also on my radar for this upcoming season. And he freaking had the entire 05 season locked out. 
the half of the 13 season locked out, and then the effects of COVID-19 on the NHL schedule. Buddy would probably be in the mid-800s by now if all those things happened, but he would probably trade all those things for health throughout his career. So it all leveled out, I guess, Mm -hmm. in the end, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, That's how it works. Absolutely. So, Frank, we have a lot to talk about still. I'm excited to do it. We're going to head on over to period number three. Welcome to period three, where we talk about whatever the we want. Frank, it was a huge weekend in the NFL. And I just want to tell you one thing, pal. Go for it. I'm worried about the Denver Broncos. Worried? They stink. Yeah. They're, they they're trouble scoring. I know. They can't score. They defend well. But what did I tell you? We're going to see how they play against a good defense because they didn't uh, play well against the good 49ers defense. The Colts have a pretty decent defense. They couldn't perform well. Yeah, I agree. And I still think they're going to make the playoffs as a six seed or a seven seed, just like <laughs> how I predicted it early in the season. I, I they, There's no way Russell Wilson just stays this bad all season long. That's just not how I see it. If I'm proven wrong, fine. But, you know, I just can't see that being the case for the rest of the season where he is this bad. And if he was just kind of bad, They'd be three and two instead of two and three, which would have them tied for first place <laughs> in their division. So, like, I, like he's just been so bad. And like when Matthew Stafford first came to the Rams, which is always what I go back to when as my reason for why I think the Broncos will be a playoff team. And I picked the Chiefs to win their division. It's not like I picked them to win their division. I think they will be a wild card team. But my justification was always they have a great roster with a great quarterback coming in. That great quarterback has been trash. So I wanted to get that off my chest about the Denver Broncos, but I feel damn good about one other of my picks. One I other no way one other of my picks. Go ahead. I in no way, and I'm glad you have that purple freaking name right here. The Minnesota Vikings are a good football team. They are going to win the NFC North Division. And I just want to reiterate one more time that I never called them a Super Bowl contender. I don't they might win all playoff game if they get lucky and Jefferson has a good game and Cook has a good game and Kirk Cousins doesn't turn the ball over and the game is before 8 p.m. Who do they play this week? Uh someone bad. Of course, they got cupcakes. Yeah, talk about cupcakes. We'll talk about cupcakes. Their one loss is to Philly who's still undefeated. They've beaten everybody that wasn't a cupcake. so far. I know. But they haven't beaten a team above 500. I understand that. And you keep saying about Green Bay, they were 0-0 zero and zero at the time. Green Bay is a quality win for the Vikings. It is. And I think Green Bay stinks now. But for the Vikings, it's a quality win because that's the team you're competing with for the top of the division. Last year, they led the NFL in games lost by one score or less. My logic was with another year of Jefferson – Things are shaping up the rest of the team. If you turn half of those games into wins instead of losses by one score, then you have a really good team. They're gonna they're not gonna be a pretty team. They're gonna win a lot of one score games because there is a ceiling to Kirk Cousins. They can't win the Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, but their roster is good enough to win games that they should. If they should dominate their cupcake schedule because they came in third, second place last year, third place, whatever it was. And 
they'll lose in the first round to a team with a dynamic quarterback. And they already lost the dynamic quarterbacks that they've played, that they beat. They beat Aaron Rodgers. They lost to Jalen Hurts. They beat Justin Fields, but barely. But at the end of the day, when you needed that game-winning drive from Kirk Cousins, he, he, he brought it together. And he leads the NFL in game-winning drives um, so far this season. I think he's got three. I like what I've seen from the 4-1 and one Vikings so far. I believe they will win. I like it for them is all I'm saying. They will win the NFC North. I played the fifth. <laughs> well, what what's your favorite takeaways from this NFL weekend? What do you got? Danny Dimes is four and one. <laughs> Vinny keeps roasting Danny Dimes. I do, I do. They're they're four and one VP. I think they're a little better than what people think, but they're they're not as good as like they should be right now. But surprises are happening, right? Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. I don't know. There's just Danny Dimes has been a quarter instead of his, the pennies that everybody thinks. Beating Green Bay in London made me think they might, they're not good. I don't, yeah, they're not really good. They're, they're four and one. They are, they're four and one and I can't take that away from them. The problem is they're four and one and they're exceeding everyone's expectations, but they're also in a division with another team that's four and one and the only team that's five and oh. Yeah, that's right. I think they're in third place. Yeah. They're either, if they're in second, that means they have the tiebreaker over Dallas, but, and Dallas's defense hasn't given up more than one touchdown to any opponent they've played. And that's allowed Cooper Cush to I call him Cooper Cush. You got to watch the Pat McAfee show. Um, they they win with him because their defense is so solid. He just has to be pretty good, like Kirk Cousins. He's just got to be pretty good. And so with the Giants, I'm like, are they overplaying easy schedule? Yes, they are. But beating Aaron Rodgers in London. I do think holds a little bit more weight where I'm starting to think they might not be terrible, but I I'm also not sure they're like a good team yet. I still need to see more. If they the beat Giants. the Eagles, I'd be like, wow. Yes. Yes. They have the Eagles this week. No, I don't know, but they're in the division. I know they play them twice. I think they play the Cowboys. This Which week that's another impressive win. If they could beat the Cowboys. Yes, I. The I, Cowboys I look good too. I'm actually Cowboys went into Los Angeles and won. No, Dallas plays Philly, and that's Sunday Night Football, which is they have an even harder test. I think they play the Baltimore Ravens. And see if they I, could beat the Ravens. That'll be shocking. I know. I, Baltimore's three and two. I I still think they're better than three and two. I do too. Lamar leads the NFL in touchdowns from the pocket. No he one, loves to air it out. but everybody thinks he can't throw and everybody thinks he can only throw when he does on the run. That's not true. It's just not true. People got to get rid of the stigma just because he's an elite runner. That means he can't throw. He can throw. He had a bad passing game this last weekend. He missed a couple throws for the most part this season though. 
It's something he's clearly working on and practicing. And if he could couple all that with what's going on, I got the Ravens beating the Giants. But if the Giants win this game, then I'll start to be like, okay, maybe the Giants have a special season cooking here where they can get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. What else, though? Patriots defense look good. 29 to nothing. I mean, if they could get their offense cooking, you know, if Mac Jones could get cooking, they, they could be a force. Uh, the Jaguars kind of disappointed me. Yep. That was that was like we were talking so high of Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars and how they might be good, and then that just that puts them right back in their place. Those are the games you have to win. You got to be able to beat the Houston Texans when you're at home. It's just it wasn't a good look, and they didn't even score a touchdown. Nope, six points. Yeah, that was just that was really embarrassing, and it was a little disappointing to be honest with you. And then that that Raiders uh, Chiefs game. That was a slugfest. And then they went for two, which kind of was stupid. If there was like less than a minute to go and you go for two and you lose, that's fine. But when there's four minutes left, are you going to hold down the Raiders or the Chiefs offense? Like, yeah, you could have went up one, but I'm sure Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to get in the field goal range. And that's the thing. Like, you make those decisions when there's seconds left in the game. The analytics community believes that that was the right move by the Raiders to go for two. I normally, I'm okay with analytics. I don't live and die by them. I like to use both. I believe in feel of the game and analytics. I believe both should be used as tools to form a decision. You have your wrench and you have your hammer. You use both of them to build your house. You don't just use one or the other. People that use one or the other, I think are faulty. I think there you got to tie the game. You have to tie the game. Yeah, the, the game would have ended up going to overtime. Wasn't the final 30 to 29? Yeah, but the thing is, it's like Patrick Mahomes played a little defensively, handing the ball off a lot more to try and waste the clock out. So it might not have went to overtime because it's hard to hold down the defense or the offense of the Chiefs. But it's like going for two there really doesn't make a difference because I don't think the Raiders don't have a good defense. I don't think they would have been able to hold down Patrick Mahomes. He would have at least been able to get him in a field goal range. He got him in a field goal range almost by handing the ball off. I'm pretty sure he got to Raiders territory. Okay. But at least with the game tied, you have a chance. Yeah, I agree. They left themselves no chance because then the Chiefs just started running out the clock. You're right. Do I believe number 15 can go down and get them in the field goal range and win it in regulation? Yes, I do. But also, like, what if on a pass something gets tipped? Yeah, you or never something know. like that, like a fumble. Yeah, you got to kick the extra point. Things. But if there's 30 seconds left in the game, then it's like, okay, go for two. You're probably not going to win this game anyway. Make the upset, kind of like with the Giants and the Titans in Week One when they went for two and upset the Titans. Yes, that was with seconds left, though. I agree. My biggest takeaway from this entire week is that the best teams in the league are still going to going to only win most of their games by one score or less. And that is the NFL. I I've said this a million times. This is my logic. This is what I believe. It is my opinion that 90% of games, maybe more are decided by whether or not the team that has the ball last either scores or is stopped. 90% of games. And that's what happened in the Raiders game between a one and three Raiders team and a 
whatever the Chiefs were. The only team that blows everybody out is the Bills. And I have a problem with that because they're not going to play blowout games against the Chiefs in the playoffs, against the Ravens in the playoffs, against whoever else you think is elite in the NFC, in the AFC. Maybe it is the Broncos by the end of the season. Maybe it's the Chargers. There are lots of candidates. Maybe the Raiders claw out of their hole. That's not going to be the case in the playoffs. And they have no running game. Everything is explosive. And I think there's a ceiling to that. So if the Bills trade for Christian McCaffrey, now that Matt Rule is out of Carolina, then I think the Bills have what it takes to win the Super Bowl. As of right now, though, I have them below the Chiefs. I've seen enough. Um, I have pulled back on the Bills being the best team in the NFL. I think the Chiefs are. I liked what I saw from them. They know how to win every single type of game. They're the smartest team in the NFL. They play smart football. And I, I even the Eagles, like, yeah, the Eagles are good. They're 5-0. and But, like, how long can that last? I just think the Chiefs are the best team in the league. And I'm not worried about the Bills because I still think they'll go, like, 15-2, and two, have the best record. But I'm worried about what happens to them once the playoffs come around if they don't establish a game that's not so all about their quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. They're kind of performing a little bit above their expectations from preseason. Um, Chiefs? Yeah, I think a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said just about. Did you like what you saw from Justin Fields? Cause he I was didn't. better. He was a little bit better. I, I mean, I, I he looked improved. I mean, you contended with the Vikings, even though, like I said, if the Vikings were that good, they should have blew out the Bears the way the Bears have been playing. But, yeah, I mean, he definitely looked a little better than in previous weeks. I don't think the Vikings are going to blow out anyone. That's not yeah, they their, haven't been able to. That's not their style. They can't. They're incapable. They're only capable of winning close games. And I think they will more often than not, which will get them the NFC North crown because I don't think that highly of Green Bay. And I know the Bears and Lions stink. But, dude, I didn't even realize I'm realizing this right now. I can't believe this isn't the Sunday night game. There's so much East Coast bias. It's insane. <laughs> like, the NFL's obsessed with putting Dallas in our face. Oh, my God. It's have, all the time. They have to play the Eagles on Sunday night football. Because the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs should abso-frickin-lutely be the Sunday night football game. I'm excited for that heavyweight battle. Yeah, that's – when is that? Sunday, 325. Wow. That's exciting. I think the Bills blow out the Chiefs, and then the Chiefs beat them in the playoffs. The Bills – I don't know. The Bills are becoming reminiscent of hockey maple – of football maple leaves. <laughs> Blow out everyone in the regular season, and then things change in the playoffs, and they crumble. Well, let's hope not. I still I think they're going to go 15-2. and two, I think but... that's very possible. Very possible. The fact that they have one loss already kind of scares me for that prediction. 14-3 and three feels more likely now because they have that one loss so early. But I don't I know. see. I'm interested. This Bills team is fun, though. There's no doubt they're fun. Their defense is suffocating. And Josh Allen is 
The only quarterback <laughs> I'd rather have than Josh Allen is Mahomes. Yeah. And I love Aaron Rodgers. I love Tom Brady as quarterbacks. Kyler Murray's really good. Jalen Hurts is really good. I think the world of Lamar. I think the world of Joe Burrow. The how did you enjoy that game? Lamar okay. Jackson versus Joe Burrow. Yeah, that's pretty that good. Was aw- we get to watch them for the next 10 years. Sign me up. That's pretty good. That's exciting AF. So NFL, very exciting. Can't wait for the weekend. Gonna be so much fun. Go Bucks, go Bears. Um, you had a depressing night last night. Yeah. Do you so not want bad. to talk about it? It was so bad, dude. I was so pissed. You, you want have to talk no idea. About it? Let's talk about it. Therapy session time. Frank, the Seattle Mariners were one out away from taking – was it one out away? Yeah, one strike one away. Out, one strike away from taking a one to nothing series lead over the Houston Astros in game one of the American League Division Series. The Astros were their one kryptonite all season long. The Mariners were elite, but for some reason they had a tough time with the Houston Astros, and now they had a chance to take a one nothing series lead. That means you only need to win two of the next four, and you advance to the second round. But now they're down 0-1 because Jordan Alvarez hit a three-run walk-off home run off of Robbie Ray in the bottom of the ninth inning. They could not slay the dragon. Frank, let it all out, man. Let it all out as a Mariners guy. I think I, I let it all out yesterday. I, there's just, I, I felt like... Is that a crack in heart... your TV? Yeah, right? That TV's toasted. The remote's <laughs> gone. Out the window. No, it's just... Uh... I thought Robbie Ray coming in, I'm like, all right, this will be good, right? I mean, he just pitched game two with a wild card. Bringing him in, that's fine. You're, you're bringing him in to get one out. I, I love the move, personally. I'm hearing a lot of criticism. Trust the bullpen. No, no, I, I agree. I probably would have done the same thing. I try to think of things as positively as possible. We got Castillo going in game two. He's looked sensational ever since he put on a Mariners uniform. That game was just so it's 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 almost deflating for the team as a whole too. Like I hope that doesn't get in their minds. I hope that doesn't mess them up for the rest of the series because it could. But it was just everything was clicking. Verlander, I, I I texted you before the game like let's put up six against Verlander. They put up six against Verlander, and they just can't get it done. They just can't. That's my done. biggest problem. They got to Verlander and didn't close the game. And, and it had nothing Verlander to do with their. Their offense was clicking. It had nothing to do with not performing with their bats. I know, I dude, I know. I like you score seven runs, you should win. They got to Verlander, and now if Verlander comes out and pitches in a game five or something, like I could easily see him shutting them down. It's it's just so. That's a tough one. It's I so hope I'm wrong. That's a tough one though. It's now very tough. They yeah. can't beat the Astros, and people call me crazy. They just can't beat the Astros. I don't get it. There's something about this team. I don't. I mean, who's the and then and then it's like you can't yeah. beat the Astros, and then they're like, well, nobody could beat the Astros. They've done it to everybody. No, it's different with the Mariners. You don't understand. <laughs> like the Mar- like 
if you look at the season series, like the Mariners were able to beat the uh, the Yankees. Like I said, I'm not scared of the Yankees. I told you going in the postseason, the only team I'm scared about is the Astros because they just they own the Astros. It's a, there's just certain teams that own other teams. It's annoying. I hate them. Well, the Astros have won like five straight playoff series against American them. League teams. Who who's the last American League team to beat the Astros in the playoffs? I know it. I got it in my head. I have no idea. It was the Tampa Bay Rays in the 2020 ALCS. Okay. So that means the Astros have won nine of their last 10 playoff series against American League teams. It's annoying. And it's probably like 15 out of the last 17 because they, they were in the World Series in 19. They lost to the Nationals. They were in the ALCS in 20. They were in the ALCS. They were in the World Series in 21. And now here we are in 22 and they're doing shit like this. The Astros do do it to everyone. It feels different with the Mariners because you play them 19 times in the regular season. But the Astros do do this to everyone. That is a fact. They're trash. Trash trash Yep. (laughs) Well, hopefully the Mariners. If Castillo shuts them down in this next game, that'll be nice. But also, like everyone will be saying, they could have been zero. They could have been two and zero instead of one and one. Like, did I think they were going to go undefeated though? If they were were to go on and win it all, no, they're not going to win thirteen in a row and and win the World Series. Like they're going to get some losses here and there. It's just that loss hits different. What's the greatest postseason record ever? 13 and 2. Nope. Don't forget, there was always only 11 postseason. That's right. That's right. Is it 11 and, or is it 9 and 2? No. 10 and 1. You needed 11 wins to win the World Series. So this part is 11 and 2. Nope. 12, 11 and 1. The 2005 Chicago White Sox went 11 and 1 in the postseason. And that still to this day stands as the greatest postseason record of all time. So now, how do you break that record? Because, like, what if you go 12 and, or what if you go 13 and 2? Is that better? I would say so. Is it go by win percentage? Yeah. Okay. Like, the Royals came dangerously close to beating it in 15. And. They lost the World Series to the Giants. Um, no. They came dangerously close to beating it in 15, and they won the World Series, but in seven games. That's what it was. I remember rooting against the Royals one of the games so that they wouldn't break the White Sox record. <laughs> I want no one to have it. It's kind of want... like the Bulls when they went 72-10 and 10 and then the Warriors broke the record. Yeah, I kind of wanted the Warriors to beat that, though. But I didn't see the Bulls do it. I didn't care. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't care. And it was just so obvious that the Warriors were going to do it. That, like, who am I to just sit there and be mad about it? Well, and the Mariners win the next 10 in a row. Vinny's going to be pretty pissed. They're 11 yeah. in a row. Yeah, I'm sure. And they go 13 and 1. Yeah, right. <laughs> the Mariners, man. I mean, if you get through the Astros, then you could get through anyone. Oh, yeah, I agree. Because. I'm not scared of anybody else. No. Do you, 
are, are you worried? Like, do you think the Astros are going to win? I'm getting worried. I'm not counting them out yet. I still, I still think the Mariners could win this thing. There's one team that lost yesterday that I think should still win their series. The Braves. I think my Braves. My I Braves. Think the Phillies are going to win Game Two tonight. Oh, I hope it, not. it was supposed to start at three thirty, but it's in a I rain know. delay. I know. And you want to know something cool? The Braves for their rain delay today. They announced that all non-alcoholic beverages and snack, all snacks are 50% off until the game actually starts. Where the oh, White wow. Sox will let me sit there and spend an extra $100 at Guaranteed Ray Field waiting for the game to start. <laughs> and then cancel it. <laughs> like <laughs> We're all suckers because Wrigley Field does the same thing. It's so, it's crazy, dude. But I hope the Mariners win That's funny. <laughs> you got a middle finger. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hope the Mariners come back and win. I hope the Mariners come back and win really bad. Like, I hope. Really bad. Oh, I'll be watching tomorrow. Yeah, make sure you follow along Frank Mueller on Twitter. Keep up with all the Mariners stuff. And, of course, Sodo Mojo, my favorite Mariners site on planet Earth. Um, we've become friends. So really quick, last thing on sports, Alabama plays Tennessee. This weekend, and we haven't talked college football on this podcast since the opening week. Because, I listen, I love college football. I love college football. I think college football at its best is equally as good as the NFL at its best. Mm-hmm. But college football at its worst is not as good as the NFL at its worst. Right. Weeks three through five every year suck. Mm-hmm. Alabama smoking Middle Tennessee and Georgia's killing blank and blank community college and Ohio State is dummying the International School of Pancakes or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, it gets like, okay, like we know what's going to happen every now and then there's a crazy upset. But like for the most part, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson's in the mix again. Ole Miss is really good. Illinois surprising everyone. They're four and one. They're ranked for the first time in a bajillion years. I think Illinois is 24. There's an interesting game this weekend, though, that I wanted to talk to you about. For the first time in a long time, Alabama and Tennessee are good at the same time. And when Peyton Manning was at Tennessee, Alabama sucked. NIU beat them. And this whole Nick Saban era where Alabama has been like this great team, Tennessee has been terrible. Yeah. Now they're both really good, and I'm excited for this Saturday night, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, the biggest change from last year, if I remember correctly, is Tennessee really improved their defense coming into this year because the Tennessee I know always used to be able to score points, but they always gave up a lot of points. They would always play in high-scoring games. You look at this year, they're only averaging giving up like a little over 17 points a game, and Alabama's only giving up like a little over 13 points a game or, or so what. But, I mean, this this should be a really good game. And that's ultimately why I think Tennessee's ranked in the top ten, let alone the top six. Um, it, it should be an absolute brawl. It's, it's going to be fun to watch. And I don't think it's going to be a cupcake for Alabama. I think Tennessee wins. I like the prediction. I really do. They're plus seven at home. Yeah. I like it. I, I like the plus seven. Yeah. Alabama... We'll Alabama, if Chase Young doesn't play, is going to lose. And if he does play, he's not 100%. Mm -hmm. Or I said Chase Young. I meant Bryce Young. Bryce Young, yeah. 
Chase Young was the other number one overall pick that went a couple years ago from Ohio State. Bryce Young is uh, incredible. He's going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. You know, he's going to play quarterback for the Texans next year, or the Falcons or the Seahawks, whoever has the worst record. If he, I, I, I just have a weird feeling. I'm not putting any money on it. Maybe though. I just think Tennessee is going to win. And if Tennessee wins, why can't they run the table for the rest of the season? And I don't know about run the table. I mean, I don't know. It's so hard, but I really like what I've seen from Tennessee so far this season. Yeah, they've they've been very, very interesting. Um, I Until you told me that they were playing, I didn't realize they played this week. I would have when I checked the college football schedule later in the week, but yeah, I'm really excited for this game. It should be a, uh, it should be a lot of fun. Skyler says, I want Tennessee to win so bad. I do too, actually. And I'm an sec guy. I root for the sec. I don't have a favorite team in the sec. If I had to pick one, it might be Alabama most years, but like this, like I want other sec teams to thrive and for that to happen. Okay. I like the Mac more than the sec. But, like, the Mac's not sending a playoff team or anything like that. Like, NIU's terrible. I thought they'd be so much better. But um, Tennessee, go, they play Alabama. Then they play UT Martin, cupcake. <laughs> then they play Kentucky, not a cupcake, but I still think they're better. Then on November 5th, Saturday, they play Georgia. Does Tennessee so, make the, the playoffs? It depends. If they beat Alabama, their case is to make in the playoffs. It's right up there. If they play Alabama, they still have Georgia, though. Yeah. It'll. But if they beat one of them, if they go one and one against Georgia and Alabama and they win the SEC title game, I don't really – I don't have – What if they uh, beat both? What do you mean? What if they beat Alabama and Georgia? Oh, then, yeah, they're a shoo-in. Because <laughs> I'm trying, I'm gonna look at the standings really quick. I don't. I can't wait for those games. Okay, so Tennessee is on Georgia's side. Um, yeah, that that's a good point for Skyler. Until the playoffs expand, I root for chaos and shakeups. That's fair. That's very fair because Tennessee probably would be an at-large team mm-hmm. in 2024. Oh yeah. Um, Alabama's on the other side, and Ole Miss is also undefeated. Mm-hmm. So there's four undefeated teams in the SEC right now. Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, and Ole Miss. It's a good conference. If Tennessee beats Georgia, they'll have the tiebreaker and play in the SEC championship instead, which probably boots Georgia out of the college football playoff outright. Yeah. And I mean, Georgia, in my opinion, is the best team in the country. They're I agree, too. As of right now to win the whole thing. But they had that shaky loss a couple night, a couple weekends ago. Uh, it was two Saturdays ago. Georgia? I can't remember. Yeah. I they thought they're undefeated. No, 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 no. A shaky win, I mean. Oh. It was a shaky win where, like, they didn't control the game late. And that made them go from one to two. And then well, Alabama, Alabama had a shaky, shaky win, too. Without Bryce Young, though. And that yeah. does get taken into consideration by the committee. It doesn't get taken into consideration by the AP poll. The one that's done by the computers until yeah. the selection show starts. Uh, when is the first selection show? It's got to be coming up soon. When human beings make... Those picks, those decisions, stuff like Bryce Young being hurt gets taken into consideration for close losses. They are less inclined to penalize a team, but man, 
it's really starting to get exciting now, and that's why I wanted to bring it up on the show. Mm-hmm. I, I love college football. If you don't watch college football, you're missing out. Yeah, and it also enhances your NFL experience as well, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Because you know some of the players that are coming into the season, right? Wasn't like, it nice I, to know about Justin Jefferson? Wasn't it nice to know about Jamar Chase? If Joe I didn't Burrow? watch college football, I probably wouldn't know who Trevor Lawrence is, to be honest with you. Yeah, he would just be Jacksonville's underperforming. Yeah, I'd be like, who's this bum on Jacksonville? Yeah, you wouldn't know his ceiling. Yeah, or you I wouldn't, wouldn't know, know about Joe Burrow on the uh, Bengals, or like you said, Jamar Chase. Yeah. I even knew Zappy. I knew Zappy too. Yeah, like <laughs> most people are like, who the fuck is this Zappy clown playing quarterback for the New England Patriots? I remember him. That's why I watch a ton of sports. Increases yeah. my knowledge. Absolutely. So I've been waiting to ask you this question all show long, and it's the last thing we're going to talk about here in the period number three. I'm a little nervous. You like Culver's? Yeah, I just had that the other night. You had Culver's the other night? Yeah, that's weird. What'd you order? Uh, the butter burger. Double butter burger with bacon. The bacon Double cheeseburger. Butter bacon Double butter bacon. Uh, butter bacon. Whatever. A double cheeseburger <laughs> with bacon. Do you like their cheese curds? Yep, we had cheese curds. They're outstanding cheese curds, correct? Yeah. We had, yeah, they're pretty good. They're, if you notice, there's different colors. Yeah, they have them with cheddar and mozzarella. Yep. May I interest you in the Curter Burger? Oh, we saw it. We tried to order it, and they didn't have it at the location. It's like, I don't know if it's here in, the, in Illinois yet, because we tried to order it from two different locations, and they don't have it. Well, I'll let you know tonight if I'm able to find it because that is the plan for VP's dinner tonight. You, if it's order. here, I want to get it. Like if it, if it's around here, I want to order it because we tried to order it. Okay, I'm shocked you didn't bring it up right when I brought up Culver's. Like, what are you doing? I don't know. I was you don't think I was being nice and letting you finish your thoughts. You don't think I want a burger with a patty-sized cheese curd on it? I love cheese curds so much that I'm ordering this burger. And an order of cheese curds. You better hope you could find it here. I might I might make a couple two-tree funk. You know VP with the <laughs> phone. Like, hey, pal, you got this Curter burger? Because it was just so disappointing because that's what we were going to order, and then they didn't have it. I'm it telling was... you. I'm telling you what. I Skoke check- says he's definitely going to check his Culver's location this mm-hmm. week. Skokes, if you find that thing, you take a delightful looking picture of it and you tag me on Twitter like you do every single but time. Don't eat it, Skokes. You frame no, it. Eat it. No, frame it. Don't eat it. The burger? Yeah. Or the picture of the burger? Both. Frame the picture of the burger. Eat the burger. I was saying frame the burger. You're a weird seed, my son. You're a weird seed. <laughs> Um, yeah, I can't wait for to try this thing. It will be in my belly tonight. I'll drive to freaking Canada. All right, we'll see, VP. If you get it, send me a Snapchat. Yeah, I mean, I'm also I'm making a quick one-night trip to Wisconsin on Friday night, too. That vile place known as Wisconsin, who has literally cheese curds on every single... Oh. There are, imagine driving on a highway and just seeing a sign that says cheese. Well, we had it. When we were out by G, and she lives close enough to Wisconsin that I thought they'd have it. Well, 
I th- didn't it just come out a couple days ago though? No. It's like over a week ago. Damn it. Well, I'm really interested to see if you get it. I really am. I live for it. I won't be able to sleep tonight not knowing if you got it or not. All right. I'm I'm getting it tonight. All right. I hope you do. It it's funny because you know how I'm a sauce guy? Huh? No. What'd you say? Wait, hold on. Cheesy drum roll, please. The Curter Burger is coming back soon. You'll be able to eat this. Oh, soon? Is it not even out yet? Click to learn more. Cheeseburger. Get one October 12th. Today's October 12th. Let's go. It just started today. Frank, you got to read the fine print. Frank, you got to read the fine print. But G just looked it up. It's not available in Illinois. Well, I'm just telling you that this tweet on Culver's verified Twitter account says available October 12th. We shall see. We'll see. What she was reading says it wasn't available around here yet. Yeah, I'm pissed I mean, though. If it, if it, if you're able to get one and I had to wait till today, I'm a little upset. But you know how I'm a, I'm a sauce guy, right? Yeah. You know my sauces. I'm a yeah, I got leftover Culver sauce in the fridge from the because. They have really good sauce. Mm. I'm pretty that sure they use Sweet amazing. Baby Ray's, right? Is it yeah, only they use available Sweet Baby Ray's. No, it's not only available today. Because it came one time before, April 15th, 2021. Yeah, it's available through the end of the month, I think. Yep, until October 31st while yeah. supplies last. It doesn't specify on this post that it's only in one location or one... I, I don't know. I, we'll see. All right. Nice little, nice little cheeseburger conversation, Frank. What's the greatest burger you've ever had? Oh, I can't answer that. I've had so many. I don't even remember. I think it's the first Scarlett Johansson burger I had. I yeah. I mean, the second time <laughs> was very good Scarlett too. Johansson actually. The the first the first or the second time I had it too, but I knew what to expect. The first time I had it, when I had no clue what I was about to taste, it was like God was just touch, giving me a little shoulder massage while I ate it. Massage. Don't make fun of the way I speak. <laughs> <laughs> a shoulder massage. A shoulder massage. How you doing? Hey, <laughs> no, I mean... Yeah, I I actually probably agree with you. The Scarlett Johansson was elite, unbelievable. And then I can't remember what it was called, but it was one of the spicy burgers from um, Kuma's Corner. That is up there as well. I've been back to Kuma's Corner since we've been there. They're pretty good burgers. Yeah, it's a nice burger there for sure. Um, But yeah, we will see if Frankie bets on me getting one tonight at plus 300 (laughs) in America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets.
Welcome to Breaking Bets. Where's my money, bitch? Frank, before we get going on Breaking Bets, should I call the Culver's closest to me live on air? Yeah, do it. I'm very interested. I'm I don't think you're gonna... so curious to know. Put them on the line. We're getting Culver's on the line. This podcast is not sponsored that's, by Culver's. That's why we it pays for the people. Any who... name rights or anything like that associated with Culver's. We are nothing more than big fans. That's why it pays to listen to the whole podcast. I'm telling you, this is about to be a conversation between me and the poor soul whose life I'm trying to ruin. Pick it, at put it up tonight. to the mic. Put it on speaker and put it. Can you hear it? Hello, Carlos. I was just wondering if you guys have the Curter Burger available today. You do have it available. Okay, the Bar Down Podcast appreciates you. Thank you so much. Have a good one. We got a Curter Burger. Let's go. Wow. That's insane. So we just didn't go at the right time. It wasn't available. Yeah. I mean, it says in, it's not even fine print. It's begging you to know that it's October 12th. (laughs) Carlos needs a raise. I love Carlos. I can't wait. I'm going to shake his hand. I'm going to give him a nice, a nice firm handshake to Carlos today. He might not be there. Well, I don't know. I don't know when I'm going. I'm probably going to go not long after this podcast ends. We got the. What if like that was his last call and he's like, "All right, I'm headed out today." Well, then Carlos was on the Bar Down Talking Hockey podcast, and he knew it too. I said it right to his face. The Bar Down podcast thanks you. Yep. He's probably. I'm glad we got that on video. Did you record that? (laughs) We got that. Um, that clip is going on Twitter for sure. What? Hold on. What? There, there's, hold on. Just give Are me a sec. Are you about to call? No, 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 no. Hold on. Just give me a sec. The, oh. You'll appreciate this. I'm sure I will. Um, Frankie's got stuff going on. Eventually, he's going to give us his picks for, you know, breaking bets. I'm assuming he's finally got some hockey picks to share with the folks. Um, his Seattle Mariners were wildly embarrassed in the ninth inning yesterday, thanks to Jordan Alvarez hitting All an right. absolute fucking. Bomb. I could go. I could go over my picks. Okay, I'll go over my picks, and then okay. G's gonna send you something on your phone, but you have to watch it live on air. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. All right, let me go over my picks. I got three picks for you guys tonight. Hockey's back. But that doesn't mean that we're going to do just hockey. But I'm going to start off with hockey. The banner raisings tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks versus the Colorado Avalanche. The Avalanche will be raising their banner tonight. And the Blackhawks are probably going to get killed, right? That's what everybody thinks. I kind of think they're going to lose the game, obviously. But, I mean, we know the reputation of teams raising their banner at home, except you're playing the Hawks, who just stink. But if you adjust the spread for the Hawks, and take them plus two and a half goals, you still get a really good price at minus 134. And I'll take that on a banner-raising night. This is any other night. I probably wouldn't do it. But on the banner-raising nights, teams tend to struggle. There's a lot of hype surrounding it. I like the two and a half goals. That's fine. Two and a half goals. 
plus or minus 134. It's a very, very, very fair price. Next game, Kraken are playing the Anaheim Ducks tonight. Quack. Quack, quack. I think the An or I think the Seattle Kraken are going to be up for this game a little bit more than the Ducks. Uh, Ducks will have their home opening ceremony once again. I think the rookies on this uh, Kraken team will be really up for this game. I see them winning the game at plus 105. I'm really excited for the game. don't think the Kraken are going to be good, but like I said, I think they're going to be a competitive game, and I think they're going to steal this one away from Anaheim tonight. So we'll, we'll wait and see. So you can get them at plus 105. My last pick, we can't forget about playoff baseball right now, right? NHL season is fresh. But playoff baseball, that, that's like the meat and potatoes we got going on here. I'm not going to choose a team in tonight's Dodgers game. I'm going to choose the Dodgers to score the first run of the game at minus 120. I had that same feeling yesterday. Sure as shit, they scored two in the bottom of the first, I'm pretty sure, uh, to score first. I think that's going to happen again. You Darvish looked terrible against the New York Mets. And it depends if we get playoff Kershaw or regular season Kershaw. Um we've yet to see. I mean, we'll find out. I mean, it's obviously a gamble. I mean, that's what this whole uh, segment is part of. But Dodgers to score first at minus 120. That's what I got for you. And, uh, yeah. I want to correct you on one thing. What's that? Freaking... Um, Snell with terrible yeah or no oh was darvish the first game darvish was the first game oh i thought yeah you're right you're right you're right i take back what i was saying snell was the the, the one who looked terrible i still think the dodgers lineup scary top to down i still think they scored the first run minus 120 i agree with you i just didn't want you to lose your money thinking darvish was cold no 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 that's right that's right i i still i still agree though yeah that's fair Okay, we have a video to watch. Right I wish we now. could put it on the screen, man. Live. <laughs> um, it appears to be Turner from from Big Brother doing a cameo. So let's watch it live on air. Yo, what is going on, Frankie and Vinny? It is Turner from Big Brother Twenty Four here, and I heard that you have a sports and Big Brother related podcast. So you already know that if I'm ever in your neck of the woods, or you do interviews from Zoom or digitally, then you know I'm absolutely going to be on that, and I would be happy to. That's incredible. I know that your podcast is going to just be thriving. So when Giovanna hit me up saying, "Yo," uh, talking about you guys and ask for a special video. I was like, of course I'm going to do it. These people sound incredible. Uh, Frankie and Vinny, you guys just have to keep up the grind. And I know you guys are going to be the size of all the biggest podcasts in that circuit someday. Uh, you have this podcast sounds amazing. And I am so excited for you guys. Thanks for the support throughout the entire 24 season of the show. It, it means a lot that you guys both were fans of me and uh, you know, you're the best. So with peace and love, the podcast sounds super mega bussin. Keep it up. And that's it for me. Peace out. That's sick. That's sick, isn't it? That is absolutely cool. <laughs> what is going on? He well, will be on the show. Thank you to G. Yes, he needs to be on this show. Um, let's get him on. I mean, you uh, know he will. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he sounded genuine in that video. Thank you, G, for having that made for us. That was really cool. I'm going to put that on social media. It was sick. That is really cool. Turner, super mega bussin'. Thank you for that. 
our podcast cool. is super mega bussin. Our podcast is super mega bussin. I mean, we talk a little hawk. We argue about the Maple Leafs. Uh, the Vikings are going to be seven and one, and you're still going to say they're not that good. Um, and we talk about Big Brother cheese curds, and that's cool. So thank you again, G. That was fantastic. I, I love it. That's it's a video I'll cherish forever. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> I like that. Shout out Turner, super yep. mega bussin. That's really cool. Did it come out of my speaker good enough? Where, yeah, like, yeah, perfect. perfect. Okay. Yeah. Wow. What a show. That was a great show. <laughs> that was a great show. And, you know, hockey season's fully back. It's my happiest time. Um, I love this sport more than I could put into words. Um, and the fact that that and baseball, my two favorite non-family related things are right on top of each other. So much fun. I've enjoyed this summer immensely and I'm happy to get the fall kicked off and hockey's back. Um, obviously all my New Jersey devils work is at the let's go devils podcast and pucks and pitchforks.com. Very excited to do all that. I am running the social now. That's a lot of fun. Make sure you give at let's go devils pod, a follow on Twitter as well, as well as my personal account at Vinny Parisi. And then of course the Chicago Blackhawks at the windy city.com. Both Chicago sports teams via fan-sided Southside Showdown to Windy City, doing the Bears for the Windy City. We'll see if there's a little bit of Bulls content coming out. Um, Io DeSumo was named as their starting point guard. Was it starting point guard? I don't know. Yeah, it was point guard. Yeah, um, He's going to be a starter this year, though. He's earned it. Very excited about that. ILL, so excited um, to do all that. So make sure everybody reads the work. And Frank, you have your work at apptrigger.com. Is there anything in particular that you want to promote as far as your work? There was something I was going to tell you during this period. I don't have it written down. I don't know what it was in regards to. So I'm kind of upset about that. So, no. I mean, I just promote that. There's a lot of good games coming out. Overwatch 2 is out right now. It's free to play. It's a little bit of a rough start. Call of Duty will come out in a few days. If you have the NHL X-Factor edition, you were able to start playing the game early starting yesterday. NHL comes out October 14th in two days. So if you're a fan of hockey, a fan of this podcast, and you want to play some NHL games, you should buy the copy. I will definitely be getting it. Um, but, yeah, a lot of good gaming going on right now. October, November, and December are some of the biggest gaming months around the holidays. A lot of stuff comes out, so I look forward to that. And you could catch all of my content at apptrigger.com. Very cool. Very cool. What a show. I will keep everybody informed via twitter.com how the Curder Burger ends up. Is that what it's called? The Curder Burger? Yeah, I think so. Or the Curd Burger. Or the Curd Burger, something, something curdy, something turdy. I'm jealous. I, I definitely have to go back now and, and get yeah, one. Absolutely. And I'm going to get me some cheesy fries to go with it, I think. Um, yeah. I hope everybody enjoys the next slate of hockey games. I'm so excited to watch the Boston Bruins. I honestly think like I, I've missed the bees a lot and you know, they mean a lot to me. They don't mean as quite as much to me as the devils, but I do enjoy me. The Bruins excited for that. Can't wait to watch the Hawks and cover that game tonight. Uh, survivor that most recent. Did you episode. watch the episode? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot to mention that to you. The most That's probably episode. what I wanted to tell you. Maybe. It was, I don't know. It was the, the episode I missed when I, I left for um, Wisconsin one week ago today. And that night we missed it. And I have since watched it caught up. It's um, pretty good. Yeah, what's her name is really incredible. Um, with the one leg. 
Uh, I keep drawing a blank. Oh my god! Yeah, I forgot her name. I don't know names yet. Noel. Noel. It is Noel. One hundred percent Noel. Um, and I think the older guy, I think, is an underdog at this point. Gabler, Gable, Gable, Gable. He plays a methodical, kind of like sneaky kind of game, and I like that. Um, so shout out Survivor. We'll be watching that tonight as well. Yep. Uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Let's go. That's tonight too. <laughs> I got plenty of sports, plenty of drama, plenty of action. And I can't thank everybody enough for tuning in. Make sure you follow at the King Bean on Twitter. I am at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. And as always, thank you for listening. Who tweeted?